are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is unfortunately too swamped with work because he really wanted to be here. Uh, but Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss the movies weekly. However, every now and then we, have to have these, we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. But this is our commentary track for March 2020. <laughs> Hopefully not the last commentary track, but we'll see how the world is in a month from now. But yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we are back with another commentary track. And for this month, we are going to be talking Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. The Ang Lee film, which was nominated for 10 Oscars, was a huge success. Um, it's celebrating its 20th anniversary. And yeah, we have a uh, we have another Wuxia film coming out at the end of the month in the form of Disney's live-action Mulan. And we discussed this on The Witness Commentary last month that uh, we, don't, we haven't done many foreign language films. So it all kind of tied together quite nicely. This is, this is our second one, actually. We did Godzilla, and that's it, I believe. I, I, I tried to look through to see every commentary we have, which we have many of. And I believe, yeah, this is the, this is the second foreign language film. So we're, we're writing some things here, and we're going we're gonna to make this all work. Joining me to discuss Crouching, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, we have, from Wise to Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, he's the dragon from the desert who comes from nowhere and leaves no trace. It's Brandon Peters. Hey, you forgot. Uh, we did a commentary on Moonraker, which is uh, foreign because it's out of this world. <laughs> also joining us from Why So Blue, armed with the green destiny, but surrounded by endless sorrow, it's Peter Paris. <laughs> hello, hello. How are the two of you doing this evening? I'm pumped. Because... I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm alive, and uh, that I know of, I'm COVID-19 free, so I guess that's good. You yeah. have dated the podcast. We're, we're certainly you. dating the podcast. You know, I was watching some uh, Seventh Seal. Um, which I'll probably finish after this because of Max von Sydow's passing, R.I.P. Max von Sydow. Uh, and it's like, that movie's rather fitting in terms of tying in topics of the week, both the death of yeah. that legendary actor, as well as the fact that that movie's set during the plague times after Crusades in, right. uh, in Europe. And it's, and it's all about a meditation on death and what have you. Maybe we should talk about The Seventh Seal instead. We go to a pact in the listeners for that one. Uh, <laughs> but, um, well, if everybody's gonna be staying at home, we'll have more commentaries for you. So, yeah, that's hey. for sure. and it'd be a shorter episode. The movie's only like 97 minutes, so it's I know a hard one to do. I had to watch that. Oh, well, I had to. I was introduced to that one in college in one of my film classes, mm-hmm. and we had they had only had it on Laserdisc, and it's a short film, but there were like eight disc flips and changes throughout. Oh, it was discs, funny. Yeah. yeah, eight discs. Okay. Um. All right. I may be exaggerating, but there's a lot of flips. I, I, I hear you, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. For those of you that don't know how this works, basically we're going to have the movie... Uh, we're, we all have the movie currently paused five seconds in. It's where the Sony Pictures Classic logo is just displayed on screen. And on the sound of go, I'm gonna we're all going to just press play and start talking over the movie. If you're going to follow along by watching the movie while listening to this talk, um, cool, because that's fun to do. And yeah, just you know wait for that sound to go, and then you'll be ready to go. Um, if you're just listening to listen... You're good. You are good to go. Just get ready for all of the fun that we can have with this movie. Um, so, yeah, you guys ready? Yep. Ready. Okay, let's do this. Three, two, one, go. So, Aaron, have we ever done two perfect movies back-to-back months? For... <laughs> I, I'm sure we probably have, but, yes, this is another example of movies that are just all over fantastic. There's no, There's nothing... There's nothing I can look at in Crouching Tiger and Dragon, which I've seen a number of times, and think, well, that wasn't good. Like, no, this movie's spectacular in like every way. The the one of the best when um when it was still when it was Ebert and Roper when they're on they're doing like their top tens of the year, and I believe they both had the ranked fairly high. 
Um, I remember like the best way to describe it is like, you know, if you just have the action, it's a really fantastic martial arts movie. If you just have the romance, it's just a really great uh, romance film. And that's what this is. It's kind of the perfect blend of two distinct genres in a spectacularly made film, spectacularly directed, acted, choreographed, scored, edited. edited. I mean, everything about this just works. Or am I am I out of my place here? Like, Peter, where are you with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Are you a big fan of this film? I love this film. Um, I... Oh, so annoyed when uh, freaking Gladiator won. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Like, yeah, uh, um, I'm. Uh, yeah, I love this. I, 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 I think I always go back and forth on whether or not this is my favorite Ang Lee uh, movie because uh, I really like Brokeback Mountain. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's eminently watchable, and I think you're you're right. It it is a a terrific action uh, historical action epic, but it also yeah, it's a very pretty good tender like love story. It tells, um, it tells two love stories, which is so wonderful. Like, yeah, you just learn about all both the, the two sets of characters here. Like, we already introduced the Chow Young-Fat mm-hmm. and uh, Michelle Yeoh's character, and then you know, later we're going to get uh, Zhang Ziyi, who should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress and was uh, for some right. reason uh, not. Uh, well, um, this is the case of, you know, this movie is up for all the awards, one of the biggest films of the year, except the acting. Mm-hmm. You mean like Parasite? Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. Chang Chen is the other the other actor, uh, low. Um But yeah, no, it is all over. Brandon, I I assume you're <laughs> the way you started this question. I assume you're also a big fan of the film. Oh yeah, uh, I I didn't get to see it in the theater. I didn't see it till it came out on DVD. Uh, but man, this thing is just utterly brilliant, and I've respected it a lot more. The older I've gotten, the more films I've seen. The you know, and going back to it, I I just enjoy it and have a deeper appreciation for it uh, as time progresses. And I mean, it's a film that would make like Kurosawa jealous almost, you know? <laughs> um, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, why you, why you say there, you know, there's the romance, there's the, uh, there's the action, but there's also just the uh, philosophical sure, um, yeah. ideals that get spoken and they're just at a perfect level. Uh, the conversations are great. Like it's just, there's every every bit as good as a sword swinging around. And there's just, I don't know, there's so many draws you can pull from it, so many ideas you can have uh, from character motivations and the like. And it's just, I don't know, it's a movie that is super confident and and it's got a sense of urgency, but it's relaxed and calm about it as well at the same time. It's It's very interesting. Peter, when did you first see this movie? Oh, yeah, I saw it. Um, I uh, I had just um. Wait, can you tell me when did this come out? What month? Um, when it was October, maybe. Like, I mean, because it's got to be before right before award season. It came right? out December eighth in the United States. So I'm oh. sh- so I'm sure it was like hitting festivals. Like, yeah, because it was out. It was in it was at Cannes. They, if, oh if, no, if, you they, know what? Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right, because I remember having a conversation. At the time, I was I had a temp gig. I had just moved to L.A. I had a temp gig at um, uh, Fox Searchlight. I remember getting into an argument with one of the other workers there who she, she didn't care for Crouching Tiger, and for her it was all about uh, traffic, which, you know, as I recall, Soderbergh wins Best Director, right? Not he, Ang Lee. He, yeah, 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 traffic was huge that year. I, yeah. I, I would have... <laughs> 
I mean, I also Traffic's one of my favorite movies. It's also perfect <laughs> to me. So it's like, I, and he was nominated for double. He had double nom that year for that and mm-hmm. Aaron Brockovich. And, oh, that's right, it's Aaron Brockovich. And yep. somehow he still won. Like that's what's impressive to me. Usually that would split, usually that's a death. Yeah, yeah, it split the vote. But it's like one director nominated for two films in the same year is crazy, and he pulled it off and won one of them. And the, both the, the up for one. best picture, like this. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, I remember. I remember seeing this. Um, yeah, I hadn't been in LA very so, long. So you had one of those debates of, I like this movie, but this movie's better, so therefore I hate you for liking this movie, kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. It okay. was <laughs> Classic Pete. Classic Pete conversation. Not you. It sounds like one of your friends is like, yeah, you're yeah. Wrong. you're you're wrong because I like this movie more. <laughs> right. And um, but I um, I remember seeing this. Um, at a movie theater that isn't no more. I mean, it's, uh, it was on La Brea, actually kind of where I live, near where I live, La Brea and Melrose. Uh, I think it's a church now, actually, but it was a pretty big movie theater. And it was just so cool. Like the moment, you know, we're, we're still early in the movie here, but the moment you see the first wire work and everything with uh-huh. the thief and stuff, it was just the crowd went crazy. Uh, and yeah, it was a really great kind of film to see with a crowd. Um, so, yeah. You're speaking of that. Why I love the confidence. This movie just, hey, this is it. It doesn't like prepare you for that stuff if you're watching it uh-huh. like blindly. It just kind of naturally goes into it. And like I feel like you couldn't get away with that today. Wait, what you do have you to have some explanation for stuff or oh, kind, kind I, of talk about it before you see it happen because it doesn't I, happen right away. I think if it was an American film, it would. I don't. I don't think the I, I don't think you I, I don't think you see that in foreign films. I don't, I don't think you see that yeah. kind of like dumbing down essentially is what you're speaking. Right, about. right, right, yeah. That I mean that's just something not like, that like the various Zhang Yimao films that came out in the time since then were like, oh man, we got to make sure we set up the exposition involving the 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 wire food that's taking place. Right, here. that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, but yeah, or like, I don't know, like bulletproof monk. You're like, we got to train Sean William Scott to do these amazing things first, or where we have to train train Doctor Strange how to do all these things first, or whatnot. You get a you get a taste of it. It can't just be, you know, like that's yeah, that's one of the problems I have with yeah. Uh, side note, I actually just saw Bulletproof Monk again. I know that's why I brought it up. <laughs> and it is uh, it is uh, it is not as good as Crouching Tiger, uh, despite having the same star. Yeah, it's all, it's 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 merely less than perfect, right? That's yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, this one had a pop culture staple of like making fun of Wirefu and making fun of its title, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was a weird, partially racist footprint that it leaves behind. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, that's what it was back. It was like that was it. I'm like, hey, you guys see the movie? Like, that's okay. It's a lot of like, well, I don't. I'm not. I'm gonna be ignorant and not even watch this thing, but I can make fun of it, right? Like that. It's a well, lot. Do you of... think? Do you think the part of it might have been because? Crouching Tiger, I, I'm pretty sure it made over 100 million. It's a hit. Like, it made 128 at the domestic box office, uh, 213 worldwide. But yeah, for a, an American American boxer performance for a film like this, it's very impressive. Maybe, it, I mean, to be fair, I'm not trying to be fair to people who are racist, but I'm wondering if I'm wondering if maybe part of it was again. I think by this time, 
Jackie Chan had had some success with. Is it Rumble in the Bronx? Rumble it was Bronx Rush Hour. Was, Rush Hour was. Oh, Bronx, Rush yeah. Hour. Rumble in the Bronx and, was like his American introduction. Like people knew about it, but that mm-hmm. was like his like Jackie. You know, we got New Line Cinemas is importing Jackie Chan movies now. Right. And then, yeah. And Rush Hour became like the an American produced movie teaming him up with you know Chris Tucker who was also on the rise. So you have like a big martial arts star. And Jet Li was already getting stuff at this point. Oh, right. Jet Li was and, starting to come over more. Like he was. And replacement killers had already come out too. Like Chai and Fat was too, already yeah. a thing. Yeah. So we yeah so we have these more traditionally kind of like genre Outside of movies deep circles that, too because like, like yeah you, that you, are you, like you know the Tarantinos were like yeah of course John Woo movies like you know they're like you know totally totally so I guess I'm I'm wondering if that was part of it where it was like some of the people that were maybe not super big film people but were like oh Jackie Chan's cool and everything and then they go to see this and it's kind of like. You know, although I would say this is not slow. <laughs> no. I think I mean it's a combination of things. It's a mix of yeah. yes, there is more like Eastern culture coming into the mainstream. There's the fact that it just had all of the buzz in the world because it's been you know it was you know a hit at festivals throughout the year before it finally came here, and it just looks super different. I mean, you're you're in a post yeah. you're in a post matrix world where you've introduced some some I mean again martial arts influenced ideas into a sci-fi realm and you're looking to get more of that so you have a, a highly acclaimed movie that's doing something that's also unique in terms of its fighting portrayals it's like yeah that's going to tap into the zeitgeist a little bit yeah and this movie did influence I mean while it wasn't like a huge impact we did see an influx of films like it or being imported to america sure. like the house of flying daggers and, and Later, things like af- that. afterwards yes yeah. afterwards yeah yeah it did have a i'll note uh, by the way michelle yo is coming off of tomorrow a bond girl tomorrow never dies and uh yep. super, super cop as well but uh, yeah she i mean she was already a thing and i like with american culture she always manages she's not like a massive star over here but she always manages to come back every so many years and being something that hits an American audience is significantly. It's kind of it's it's pretty interesting. She's she never screen, she has screen presence. That's what, yeah. that's what works. Yeah. Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah, but I mean, recently she's back. I mean, Crazy Rich Crazy Asians. Crazy Rich Asians and um, number of things. She's, she's in, in a few things lately. She's in the, yeah. She, I know you guys. I know Aaron is. Uh, she's Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, she's, she's on Star that, Trek yeah. Discovery. Yeah. I didn't see Last Christmas, but I know. Yeah, she's in Last Christmas, right? But yeah. She oh, she's thing. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, wait, Z was she in Godzilla? No, uh, that same. Uh, uh, Zhang Ziyi is in Godzilla. <laughs> no, no, that's oh, oh, I'm sorry, that's who I meant. I'm, I'm looking at her. Oh, yeah, yes, that. yes, Zhang Ziyi. Yeah, she, <laughs> no, no, she, she plays the, uh, she plays the scientist slash the twins that's generally associated right, Ma- with Godzilla. Yeah, the Mothra. Yeah, uh, like, yes, correct. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because actually, I don't know how much. At least American-wise, I don't know much how, well, how much I have seen Zhang Zi. Well, speaking of Rush Hour, Rush Hour, I mean, two. Rush Hour two was her big like American. Oh thing. right, and right. who who could forget after the Super Bowl, Cloverfield, right? Oh, Cloverfield yeah. Paradox. Paradox, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Is she Cloverfield? Yes, she yeah. is. It's speaking oh. of sci-fi movies, uh, Michelle Yeoh is in Sunshine. So. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. I think that was like the big test to see if like that would make her into like a, a kind of an international star. Like, there, so you can like lead a movie that's made like a Hollywood production, but still like representing Asian culture. And that movie mm-hmm. was kind of. A By bust. the way, just as a side note here, I really do love this scene where um, they're they're giving these the... kind of 
scientific descriptions to the, to the sword. And I love anytime the sword rattles as I recall, cause we're, we're, we haven't muted right now, but as I recall, there's a lot of cool sound of whatever. I really yeah, love the, all the green. I like the, I like a... the wear towards the point of the sword. Oh, that understand. detail. It's really nice. Yeah. The, the green destiny, I think is a really cool, like, like we talk about movie props every now and then and like various discussions, things like the Maltese Falcon or whatnot. I think the green destiny does not get mentioned nearly enough. Cause it's a really, it's a great piece of weaponry and it like stands out for one thing because it has a really cool name. It's a sword called mm-hmm. green destiny and it has this kind of, I mean, much like the Maltese Falcon. Everybody wants this thing and yeah. everybody knows it's history. Everybody's, you know, they, they want to have some kind of, you know, come they want to not just like hold it, but like be in its presence, which I Except think is the guy who's it's gifted to. He doesn't yeah. want it. But yeah, he's like, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's a great moment too. There, just he just sliced that uh, little cup or whatever yeah. bolt. And you're Peter. You're not wrong about the sound design. The movie is excellent in all regards, as we've already established. But I mean, yeah, in terms of giving an object its own, like you know, Ben Burt style sound effect, so you understand right. like right. what what this means compared to other weapons. Like right. the, there's a huge fight coming later on in the film where it's Michelle Yeoh using every weapon against Zheng Ziyi, having just the Green Destiny, and they all get like destroyed by the Green Destiny. And it's like this weapon's amazing. Like this thing does everything. It slices. It dices. It does right. all. <laughs> um, which just curious as because because we're before all the big actions about to take place. Where do you guys rank this in Ang Lee's uh, filmography? This is Probably my favorite Ang Lee film. Number one. Yeah. Number uh, okay. Right. With, with a bullet. Uh, with a sword. Uh, but, um, no, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Crouching Tiger. I, I think this movie, I'll talk about where I saw it in a second. But yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of the film. Um, yeah, und- what's like, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, by default. I really like Life of Pi, though. I'm a huge Life of Pi fan. I do like that, Life of Pi. That, might be, my, that might be my second favorite, then broke back. Number two, Gemini Man. Gemini. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gemini Man, Ride <laughs> of the Devil. Um, <laughs> Hulk. I'd say uh, <laughs> he's probably got, like, five very good to greats. I mean, because I think, hey, I, I think... Uh, Ice Storm is also really good. Um, I, I guys... Sense and Sensibility is quite good. Sense and Sensibility is really good. Like so, I mean, honestly, he, he I Drink think... Man Woman is really good. I mean, they, he's no one's gonna no one's gonna deny two time Academy Award winner Ang Lee the fact that he's very good at making movies. I mean, he's he Actually, and I gotta say, I am uh, I am a Hulk apologist. I like Hulk. I, I don't think it's I, perfect. It's I, interestingly made. It's very yeah. interesting. I love the ambition of it. I don't think it overall works, but it's like. I, I will take this movie over most it's of the noble. Main, most of the mainstream, you know, uh, uh, main superhero movies that come out. Not as far as I'm going to keep watching them and I like it more, but as far as there's a vision here that a director tried to employ on a film that I can certainly admire more than just standard, you know, like okay, we put it all together and it worked out. I mean, oh, if you're a film person, like you're gonna like the Angley's Hulk because of what it attempts to do, yeah. over maybe whether it succeeds in doing it, and that's something just the the average your movie watcher is not gonna understand. Stanley had the best reading on that. He's like, yeah, I mean, I I just wish they did a little less on the father stuff. Like that was like his reaction. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how he regarded Hulk because he's right. He's exactly like that's the main problem. I think the story's just way too like. Let's just get to Bruce. Like, stop giving me Nick Nolte drama and all the yeah, nonsense that yep. comes with him. All right, let's talk about the action for a bit because it's about Great. the big thing here. Yep, here we go. Um, for one thing, it's amazing. <laughs> and like, I, you, Brandon, you talked about how like it doesn't introduce it to you as far as like setting it up, but it does like 
it's a fun build to like us seeing the scope of these scenes because you've already got, you got a little hint of it when he's just being knocked around and stuff and you see like he's not he's kind of floating now she's like full on jumping up in the air and doing kind of stuff and oh, yeah. so it it's a it's a testament to what Ang Lee and his choreography, and you know, uh, uh, Yao Wing Ping, um, right. what what abilities they have. To, that's a name I just had to come up with right on the spot. Um, it's the what abilities they had to show the escalation of a fight to get an audience to just be there with it. And I, we, we've talked about this with action scenes before. The best kinds of action scenes are ones that have their own plot. Like mm-hmm. they, there's a beginning, middle, and end to the action. It doesn't just happen to happen. Right. And that's right, this right. entire movie is that. Like all of these oh, action yeah. scenes are very deliberate in how they're structured, paced, and what have you to deliver amp- amazing payoffs and great visuals. I think that I think one of the problems, even though I sometimes defend him, is that I feel like I guess someone like a Zack Snyder or even like a Michael Bay, I feel like their action scenes are really more about. I guess we would call like the money shot. Like they're just like, and it's going to be, and it all culminates in this one moment. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. But as you just said, it doesn't really have a beginning, middle and end. It, it's it, more it, just that it, moment. It, it varies for their films. Like some of yeah. my, some of Bay's films are very good at that. Some, some of them are God awful at that. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, be, the best example I always have is uh, Transformers dark, uh, dark side of the dark of the moon, um, where, the whole final hour of that movie is action, but you could switch, you can play shuffle with that whole section and none of it would make any difference. There's no rhythm to the action. There's like, you have Optimus Prime getting tangled up in wires for like 20 minutes. You have Starscream in a battle and he dies eventually. And it's like, you could have, what does that mean? Like none of it means anything to you. I think, well, I think Snyder's one of his strengths is making you feel in the action and making like movements and, uh, choreography and camera motions that make you kind of just feel like you're moving with it. And I think it's a I don't know whether his to have a beginning, middle or end, but he does have a talent I, I and, think definitely, only, and definitely, definitely brings that video game aspect to it in a natural way. I think the only one that doesn't work is justice league. And that's because that movie's compromised to begin with. I think and uh, who knows, who knows what ones he directed. So, yeah, so I think mean, in terms of the oh, act, like, like I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Batman Superman, but I do think the action has a flow I wish it was better, like the big doomsday battle, stupid mm-hmm. thing or whatever. But like that movie does have, I mean, but that's like the better, the better example is 300, obviously. Like those movies have, yeah. there's a lot going on in them as far as how the action is structured, because that's what the movie's trying to accomplish. I, mean, I, I actually, I mean, I, I enjoy the Man of Steel action sequence. Oh yeah, like, that's very yeah, well the, done. The, I, I think, mean, yeah. Destru- I, destruction aside, it does, there's a pattern to it. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I I I admire Zack Snyder's. I do. I like Man of Steel. I like I, there's stuff that I admire about Batman and Superman. Absolutely. And um, but I will say that like we're talking right now over this. Look at that. That's right. Like, yes. Like I feel like this action. You know what it is? Maybe I feel like with Zack Snyder, even with 300, there can be a sense of. He's kind of doing oh the same God. three tricks <laughs> like this. Like there's a lot going on here. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, like yeah. There's, there's so much variety, you know, I mean, like there's, I there's guess, more. I mean, I don't need to get we don't need to get a debate about Zack Snyder films. But I mean, there's variety in his movie. The the, the base stuff, the editing is the like, look at all the like, look how many long shots there are of action or when there's mm-hmm. a cut, the cut means something. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. let's not. We should stop using those two because those two are they are our tours for better or worse. Yeah. There's yeah. plenty of uh, there's plenty of other like uh, Olivier Megaton who did like Taken Three and Taken Two and like all these terrible Luc Besson produced movies. 
that guy is god awful with his action. Yet they keep employing him, like because somehow right. he's doing. Stuff. I, I uh, will say, like, I feel like every punch thrown, every kick feels like an ex- an exchange, like a dialogue exchange almost. Yeah, right. Like it's got yeah. purpose. There's humor to some of them, and then quickly to a different sharp. They're arguing. They're fighting. They're and these, you know, it's these placements of these shots too. Like look yeah. at this, this rotating scene. There's a shot above, shot below. When you grab someone, the camera switches moves. Like it, it, there's there's so much rhythm here, and none of it throws you off. Like it's just it's perfect. <laughs> and you're like, how long did they have to rehearse this shit? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I bet like Michelle Yeoh took like a year off of doing anything because you wanted to both train for this, train for this, both for the fighting and the um and learning man learning to speak Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And it's just one fight. There's more to come. Like and, it's and talking over this, we're not hearing the amazing music from Tandoon in this film. Oh yeah, the, 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 you get your your heart gets racing watching these movie scenes with the drumming and everything. It's so cool. And these are all like actual location shoots or built sets. Yeah, there's no CG here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the only CG is just See, wi- is wire removal. That's the only wire. like you know effect. Ang Lee now would have nothing present. <laughs> it would be you know he's still, like he's still going to locations though. I mean, like Gemini Man is. I mean, say what you want with the movie. They did go to places to make the movie. Oh, no, they like, did. It's they not did. like they went. It's not like they went to Atlanta next to the Marvel studio. Or in, in, I, like, I'll say no. Thing. Gemini Man. When you watch, there's stuff on the the discs that show like a couple scenes and how they're put together. You're like, holy crap! My eyes deceived me. I had no idea that was fake. Like in, mm-hmm. I mean, there are scenes where a character like jumps a bike into a completely different film shoot and it looks just. <laughs> like it was one thing it was it's crazy but um no i really like looking here i'm just like man this is every frame has so much to look at yeah. in this movie it's uh, it's wondrous like you could watch this three times in a row and have just a joyous experience just looking at it we're on mute and that's <laughs> awesome you know like it's just, oh I, wait, I wanted to ask though because we were talking you brief aaron i think you briefly mentioned the word auteur would you do you think Ang Lee is a journeyman director or do you think he sometimes I feel like he I feel like if you were to look at his movies on the surface level, they seem very different. You're like, there's a Jane Austen film. Here's a Wuxia like period film. There's like a con- but actually I do feel like he does seem interested in certain like things. Yeah, no, there's a so, I know what you're asking. And yeah, I mean, he's. He's both one of the best journeyman filmmakers alive, and all. I mean, it's annoying that the last two films are Gemini Man and Billy Lynn. But I mean, in general, you could look at him as being one of the best working journeyman directors. And, but but, there, but there's also a very clear through line between all of the movies, as far as kind of philosophical readings or relationship yeah, would, type things. Like there's a, there's a number of things that do connect most of these movies. But he's also got a, a very James Cameron, George Lucas side to him in, to, in the sure. terms of pushing the technology in too would be the, the, the yeah one. yeah well yeah he's definitely interested in in pushing pushing boundaries mm-hmm. um which is very admirable i think i mean is, i mean for a director that's won two oscars has made movies in pretty much every different genre has he done a horror i guess like hulk 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 is bordering on it kind right of. yeah kind of. <laughs> like, it's a monster movie i guess or... he's not there he's not there yet um but i mean for for a person like that, I like that just like, I don't know, Scorsese making Hugo. It's like, yeah, I mean, why not try something like I there's 3D now. OK, well, what can I do with that? How can I how can I make mm-hmm. that work for me as opposed to being like, I'll just rest on my laurels and do whatever It's like, sure. After I make my Woodstock movie, 
I'll go out of my way to make a movie using the latest and greatest special effects to create a tiger. Like, sure. Like, why, 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 yeah. not, why, why not do that? Um, I was, I mentioned Lucas when I was watching this, uh, to prep for this episode here as so often do one of the things I kept noticing that this was made around 2000, mm-hmm. um, George Lucas is making the Star Wars prequels. This is obviously oh, he made prequels a, for those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll oh. talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, this was recorded before we recorded the prequel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Commentaries. So, uh, the same time, this is a movie that obviously is built off being something like what George Lucas finds inspiration for from Star Wars, and it's doing a lot of things that I feel like he. He wants to do in the prequels, but maybe it's the because he's American stuff. He doesn't quite get across as well as like a movie like this does. Like there's ideas and stuff I was seeing that was like similar to the prequels exchanges, ideals like happening in this movie. I'm like, I think this is what George wanted to do, but it didn't come out on paper or on film that way well, as I, well as successfully. I mean, sort of, I could sort of see what you're saying, except that I mean, sort of I. I guess I've I've always felt I mean I'm a huge Lucas fan, but I've always felt that like uh, I, I'm a Lucas fan. I'm just saying oh, the no, no, totally. disconnect between some of the n- not quite you know the rough around the edges things that I, come up with the prequels. I guess strangely, it might be a weird comparison because of you know the level of uh, of the the subject matter or, or level of uh, violence or grittiness. But I've always kind of thought that Lucas and Tarantino, they're both filmmakers that it seems like they like to it's kind of like they're mixing a stew or, or a blender of all these right. like of all these like favorite things they like in movies but because it's like a blender version you're right it's not necessarily going to have the subtlety or the me- or the the kind of measuredness that something like this would have but mm-hmm. i don't know if I would- you're I don't speak- know if I think Ang Lee is like that. You're speaking to a lot of directors. I mean, I mean, any, I mean, that whole crew of, with with Lucas, as far as like Coppola, Spielberg, De Palma, like they're oh, all, they're, yeah. all of them are doing oh, stuff right. that they, they're, you know, the people, the Howard Hawks and Houston, like all of that, you right. know, pe- things they grew up with, they just made them new again. Like that's what their specialty was. And that, and I mean, Tarantino's doing that in his own ways. So there's so uh, many directors, and I think a lot of them, a lot of these guys that sit at the top tier of things. It's not that they're there because they didn't try. It's because they just took the thing. They're just really good at taking the things that they like and making them into right. something new. Like that's, that and they got to get away with it a lot easier because access wasn't as good back then. So you, a lot of people saw that stuff as new. They yeah. didn't have that. They couldn't pop Absolutely. in and go, "I see what you're doing here." Right. That means you know, and they get a they get a huge pass. Whereas like people will attack a Tarantino, a, a Rob Zombie, or somebody doing the same thing nowadays because. Oh, I understand that reference now. Like, yeah, it's, but some, it's like, some of the, and some of them are just frankly not as good. So, I mean, that's also what yeah, quite helping. It, but, I mean, th- it's like getting mad about your favorite franchise suddenly getting political. It's like, no, you just recognize the politics now. You were a child back then. Like, yeah. it didn't, you know. And you've purposely not chosen to, you know, acknowledge them as you grew up. But the um, right. as far as this Lucas Ang Lee comparison, like I, in, in terms of this movie and the and Phantom Menace, I hear what you're saying. Like, there's Part of it, I mean, obviously, this movie is adapted from a, you know, an, an old story. It has multiple writers that are right. seemingly, you know, better at writing <laughs> certain things than <laughs> Lucas might be, um, as far as him doing at least Phantom Menace by himself. Mm-hmm. And there's just like there's more he's there's more this movie's pulling from as far as the culture where Phantom Menace has so many different ideas he's trying to grasp at as far as the politics and the times and the world building and what have you. Yeah. 
where as much as you can want to say it'd be great to watch those movies on silent and just play them play out you can't really do that with phantom menace and mm-hmm. because it's so ambitious in what it's trying to do and because the dialogue and the storytelling is it's proficient as opposed to expertly crafted yeah, it doesn't. This this movie feels more accomplished in that sense, I would say, because you just have a you have a better full on production. It's doing everything and working at a level that tracks. Where Phantom Menace is like you, I mean, something that something that works about Star Wars, the, the original trilogy versus the prequel so well is that the aliens speak alien. I think that's a huge. I think there's a huge difference there that, I, that honestly separates those movies. Where having mm-hmm. having all the different trade federation things and Sabulba like and George like all of them speaking varying english and accents i think that takes away from what you get out of just having characters communicate by you know nodding and having you know made up gibberish languages <laughs> I think that's I think a great there. observation yeah actually i always like sobulba he he sobulba talks sobulba you know, you're, or whatever. you're right I, that was a bad example but most of the other, you know what i'm saying that most of the other aliens boss nass watto watto yeah that's true they, they right. all they all speak english and of course they have to have different accents or sorry just, basic for the star wars nerds listening they speak, they speak basic yeah. and instead of instead you know instead of just speaking in their language they now have to have an accent so you know that yes they sound like different yeah too. and that's why the yeah. original trilogy aliens they don't you, you, you don't see articles being like they were racist then because they're not they're speaking alien languages <laughs> like it isn't it doesn't read it doesn't read that way for certain people because it, that, there's no reason to read it that way right i know you know i never thought that that's a very interesting it is yeah Huh, I think it, it makes a big difference by having like Chewbacca or Jabba or what have you speaking in something you've never heard before, but like still being able to communicate with everybody and everybody understands them. I think I, like on a subconscious level, you you can take that differently than just having Jar Jar speak Gungan and what in in, in accents and yeah. Motto. Little do we know he speaks. He's a crappy actor in Hutties. <laughs> <laughs> which talk? Let's talk about the, this movie because we've talked oh, about yes. how this movie's perfect but there is criticism that's come from i believe chinese audiences that believe uh chow young fat and michelle yo just don't get have a good accent like that's a is it wait is this is this cantonese this is mandarin i believe they Mm -hmm. speak cantonese if i'm not mistaken like that's right and i have i have heard that criticism apologies about getting this right by the way for listeners but i mean i believe that's the case the idea is they're speaking mandarin and cantonese is their kind of their native language but But, yes I, i have heard that too that it's like if you knew the language, then it's not it, impressive it's, on an acting. It's front. not impressive. It's, it almost sounds too phonetic or whatever. Like um, I have, but obviously I can't tell. No. What um, was it that Kubrick said about Paz the Glory? Because Kirk Douglas doesn't have a French accent in it I mean, or speak French. Like he's like, it doesn't matter. The point still stays the same or something yeah, like you're that. You're right. And like, I just, I just watched a hunt for red October a couple of days ago. And mm-hmm. one, the thing I love about that movie is that they do the big close up, and then everyone that speaks Russian suddenly speaks English. And not only do they speak English, they don't have like a stupid Russian accent for no reason. They just speak English because for one mm-hmm. thing, Sean Connery doesn't play that game. And, um, and it's just, it just makes more sense to me as a viewer. If I'm going to watch a movie where people would never be speaking English, I don't need to hear a phony accent to go with it. That doesn't make any sense to me. I get, yeah. I, I've, I've come accustomed to it just because filmmakers are dumb and they don't want to listen to me. But I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> it just Val- Valkyrie was like the latest movie that did that too, where like they zoom in on Tom Cruise speaking German, then they zoom out and he's just Tom Cruise and Kenneth Branagh is Kenneth Branagh. Like everyone just they don't do a German accent; they just speak like themselves. Or sorry, mm-hmm. Death of Stalin. Well, that Valkyrie's the, the the latest one where I saw they do the big zoom up thing, which I think every movie should do because it's cool that way. Um, Death of Stalin's another movie where they 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 just have Cockney and English, but that's satire, so it's a little different anyway. But. 
But yeah, this um, movie, yes, there is a there's a contingent out there that doesn't feel that Chow Yun Fat and Michelle Yeoh are really bringing it. It's <laughs> just interesting. I mean, I definitely think non because I can't speak to the authenticity of the the dialect, the language, and stuff. I think that non verbally, I think they absolutely are. Their performances seem very strong to me. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, that's always so. a fun thing that I think about when it comes to foreign language films, where obviously we don't speak the majority of the languages that we see various foreign language films are, because the world's a big place and there's a lot of languages. But how good are these performances? if you can't speak the language, like, does it make that much of an impact? And does that come down to just body language and interactions and facial tics and what have you? Like, is that how you tend to view it when you look at these kinds of performances? I mean, it could. Yeah. I mean, you're right because we're not dependent on. Yeah. Um, That's the power of cinema, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I remember back, back when this came out, like on, dvd or something i remember having a friend who um who like i i it's gonna sound like i'm making fun of him because i'm not i mean he's a cool guy and everything but this like, fight coming up is pretty sick by the way keep going sorry he 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 insisted that when he watched crouching tiger he liked the dub version and i was like really he's like oh no I, that's the only way to watch it <laughs> i was like what so i was like why would you do that like mm-hmm. uh, but yes i you know to each his own i guess I didn't talk about where I saw this. I saw this move. It came out in December. It opened wider in January. I have a, I can't remember if I saw it when it opened like wider or if I was able to see it early on because I'm in I'm not in LA, but like the theaters around me tend to get like these kinds of, you know, these art house or limited or foreign language releases mm-hmm. fairly early on in their kind of expanding run. So I can't remember if I saw it before like the year ended and I saw it late, later in the year, but regardless, I I saw it with my mom and her boyfriend at the time and it was just it, we saw it was a pack theater which makes me more convinced that it was january or it could have been december still because we just the, the buzz is so there but it was so like it's weird to say fun because it wasn't like people were like applauding in the audience but there was a sense of like awe like throughout the movie because of like seeing things like this that you're just not seeing before and like how elegantly it's done and what have you and i was very much impressed um <laughs> seeing this as a i guess four 13 year old at the time it's like yeah give me more of this movie please <laughs> like this is great <laughs> it's crazy yeah like this yeah. this is a like this guy's like get out of the fight dude yeah. <laughs> no good no good but he sure is a loyal man what, but, look at the like the, the the costuming and the hair like there's so many pieces to all of this too. Where it's like oh yeah, yeah. oh that's great that's I great love yeah oh, with the, the finger yeah. touches the pressure yeah. point mm-hmm. stuff oh and it. yeah these these oh. uh, these little poison darts that play like a pretty major role in this film there's a lot yeah of poison dart action that happens in this movie <laughs> <laughs> and these like cool bladed weapons it's like I don't even know yeah. what some of these things are called. Well, you see those in movies, and they never use them. They're always, like, hanging in the background. And this one's uh, like, this is how this is done. Oh, this is great. He, like, lets it, he gets... Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and Fat comes in here and, like, this fight's over. <laughs> 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 I like how a lot of... What's um, Lee Mu Bay? A lot of, like, his presence in this movie, he doesn't do a lot of the fighting, right? If I'm not mistaken. Like, he, he does a lot of, I'm here now. We don't really need to fight because you know I'm going to best you. Like, that's really what right. it comes down to. 
because I think my, my favorite fight is the one between him and um and Gen Yu and Zang Zi's character where they're just like running across the trees and they're barely fighting. It's more of just he's just trying to teach her or like show her she's trying to he's trying he's probably trying to be the Obi-Wan when she's been trained by Darth Vader the whole time or the Emperor or whatever reference you want to make. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of good fights, but that tea tea room fight that's coming up is it's mm-hmm. spectacular. <laughs> I like she tries to hit him behind the cape, and he's like, "Nope, nope, not boy. gonna happen." Oh, oh she's got that blade in the Irma Blunt. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's got she's going for Russia with love. <laughs> Wait, is that in from Russia with love? I never yeah. seen yeah, 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 yeah. It's a yeah. No, Peter, it's not from Austin Powers. See, <laughs> 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 so I saw this, yeah, I saw this in theaters uh, with the language, oh. and then I believe I rented it, and it was, like, dubbed, and I don't, I don't think I realized it was, but I was like, all right, I guess I'm watching this dub now, because it was, like, VHS still. Like, it wasn't DVD or anything. Wait, is this leading to the the scene that you're about to talk about? Because I feel like that scene's in the daytime. Is that like when they're on the ba- in the bamboo? No, it, no, it's, it's no, it's yeah, the bamboo. But that's towards the end. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I was like, it's too dark right now. So, and she's got Clark Kent syndrome going on, right? Because like yeah. it's her. <laughs> like, like guys, you can you can see it's her. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. We're just watching because it's like this, and a lot there's layers to this. Like there's just background stuff going on. Like oh, there's yeah. so many things, so many like wide shots too, which is just refreshing to see. Oh, catches oh, it. Oh, there right we go. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a hit. weapon. Now he's mad. <laughs> That's all. I'm just deflects. Whoa. Oh, yeah. I love how that trails with. The trail yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Finally, a use for that uh, Olympic sport. Yeah. <laughs> Ribbons. The line right here should be I don't think he's going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't make it. The weapon has pierced through his skull to his brain. I don't think we have the antidote for that. If you pull it out, he will die instantly. <laughs> There was a another one of these made for Netflix. I yeah, the still have not um, seen it. I have seen it, and I can barely remember it. So obviously, it was excellent. Um, <laughs> it didn't have any angly involvement either, right? No, but Michelle Yeoh was the star. It's called. Right. Is it just called like uh, Crouching Tiger, Sword of Destiny? Is that yeah, something like that? Yeah. Trying to find it. Was she she playing the yeah, same Crouching character? Yeah, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, colon, Sword of Destiny. Is she the same character? She yeah, she's the same character. And it has Donnie Yen as well. I recall it having some good like action moments. Jason Scott Lee's in there also. It has some good action moments because it's directed by Yu Woon Ping. Like that's mm. he, he stepped up to the directing. But I mean, yeah, it's just it's just kind of a throwaway martial arts movie. It's not it doesn't really have you know there's nothing going on here. It had like a good pedigree. Like uh, Newton Newton Thomas Siegel did the cinematography. Um, 
yeah, like it, it, it wasn't, you know, they did not try. Like, they, they, the effort gotcha. was put in there. It's just, you know, it's not telling a, a tale like this. <laughs> it's not doing much. Is this where she, like, drops the teacup and she catches it? Is that, is that this? Uh, it's, they both go to eat. To, uh, oh, is that how she knows it's her? And she, like, yeah, she gets yeah. Ca- she catches on to this. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> I don't know about mm-hmm. this. <laughs> Somehow, this mysterious new person that's arrived at the same time as this masked Avenger yeah. might not be who I think it is. It's like you looked me in the eyes in the fight. You knew. Yeah, it's this scene yep. right here. Which I love the the objectivity of peace throughout this movie with a lot of fighting. Mm-hmm. Of you know, hey, I'm gonna trying to do this <laughs> to keep everything as calm and let you have your own thing as much as possible. I want to talk about wuxia films a little bit. I'll do my best I can to kind of get the history right here. But, like, certainly with, like, the wire foo aspects, like, that's more of a modern thing. Like, we weren't... there. There's elements of that in older films. And I know, like... I mean, wuxia films have been around forever. Oh, like, there it is. There, yeah, there it is. There we go. Yeah, that's, that's where it tips off. There's good stairs between all of them, too. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, like the the concept of using like wires and trampolines and like basically like cool acrobatic things to like make the martial arts and whatnot kind of like that's been around. Like that's not a new thing. Certainly, you know, you just have better technology to capture it or what have you to make it more you make it unique in a an age like this. But you and then you get to like the seventies when what the Hong, the kung fu movies were really starting to kick up as far as popularity goes in America. Oh yeah, yeah. And you get like the Shaw Brothers Studio. Um, to bring in lots of Wu Tang. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> All kinds of things. Um, and yeah, like uh, what Jet Li and Donnie Yen and Michelle Yeoh and Tony Leung, Jet, Jackie Chan to an extent. Like mm-hmm. they're all doing stuff. Like Jackie Chan's just different. He's just, he because he's has his own studio. Like he's he's his own guy. Like that's why it just. But like they're all they're all building their acclaim in Hong Kong and China or what have you. You get this movie is like it just revolutionizes everything, right? Like it just really, in terms of like global appeal, awareness, stars that are recognized by name outside of just their individual country, like it really opens a big door because after well, it does this, in a grand epic scale and like yeah. looks just because well, it happens to be the huge. best movie. <laughs> like that's, the, that's right. the other thing too. Right. So, but it opens the door, and then you get well, then like Zhang Yimou is like, guys, guess what? I'm done with the dramas for now. And I'm gonna yeah. start. I'm gonna start making some martial <laughs> arts movies. Like, sure, we could raise our Red Lanterns, but how about I raise my hero right here? Like, he just gets that going. And Tarantino, of course, he sees everything ever. Uh, he's like, guys, <laughs> um, let me let me let me put my name on some stuff so you guys can see some things that I'm seeing because there's some fucking kick-ass stuff coming on from Zhang Yimou. So then, what hero comes out in what oh three, and then uh, yeah. House of Flying Daggers, which I love. I think that movie oh, is yeah. spectacular. That, and that movie is one of the most thrilling movies I ever saw in a theater. There's a fight scene in that movie that's so, like, heart-pounding for me. I, I always remember it because I was just like, how are they going to get out of this? <laughs> 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 that movie, like, just won me over. And, yeah, like, Curse of the Golden Flower. 
And then you have like a number of others that are just kind of like here or there because they're not made by as many interesting directors or whatnot. A lot of like American imports and things like that. There's like one with like Jeffrey Rush, right? And that, that I can't remember the name of, but it's like it has it has like ninjas and cowboys and stuff going on. It's like a weird one. Um, and you have some American attempts, right? Like we mentioned the aforementioned um, Bulletproof Monk. Um, or like a, what Forbidding Kingdom, right? Where the Jackie Chan and Jet Li are together in a movie. Oh, yep, yep. yep. Uh, Finally. So yeah, like all of this keeps carrying over. I think it it dies down as far as kind of. I mean, it, it was never nothing was ever as big of a hit as Crouching Tiger was, but I mean, they certainly had their. They got that, wide releases. They got I mean, wide releases, which that's, is yeah, that's something for sure. Which is again, it's people want to knock Tarantino like he's doing Scorsese type level of work as far as creating awareness for for movies yep. that aren't just the stuff that's there. I, I mean. If it seems corny to say Quentin Tarantino presents, like, guess what? You wouldn't get that movie without him doing his best to support it to begin with. Um, but yeah, now it just it's so it seems like it's solely back in in uh, in Asia, like that's where these films are still made. And I mean, Zhang Zimao made one of my favorite films of last year, Shadow, which again incorporates some really cool Shadow martial arts. Shadow is awesome. It's there's so a lot. Of, there's a lot of this movie in Shadow. Oh, for sure, because of all the kind of Shakespearean melodrama that's taking place <laughs> yeah. amidst the. I haven't seen Shadow. I I do like Zhang Yimou. Is it a black and white? Because the trailer it's, looks it's not, great. It, it's not black and white, but the entire color palette is consisting only of black, whites, and grays. With some like, if there's blood, you get some red. But like, it's very muted for very specific. Very, it's very much trying to create like this yin yang feel on purpose. Huh. Like the yin yang is a huge symbol in the movie itself. Like it's very much doing that deliberately. It's really cool because you know Zhang Zimao, he's a colorful filmmaker. <laughs> like he, right, he makes yeah. expressive movies that are full of lively color. Like Hero is a watercolor painting with people fighting in it. Like it's ama- it's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, that movie it's very stripped down and very cool in the way it's you know handled. Visually it's spectacular and it has bladed umbrellas, which is the fucking coolest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I watched it with my dad and it's like there's this giant battle sequence involving people using these umbrellas for a very specific reason that I won't reveal because you should just see the movie. And he's like, wow. And I'm like, I know, right? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so we saw Chow Yun-Fat Chow Yun fight Zang, but yeah, that wasn't like the main fight that they have. I mean, the woman here who's playing Jade Fox. Oh, I'm, she's great. I'm assuming she's been in a lot of stuff. I just probably haven't seen. I'm assuming like she's in all the underworld movies. (laughs) (laughs) Resident Evil. Right. Yes. Um, Although, you know, it's speaking of that, you know, it's because this is the same uh, guy who did the Matrix, right? Yeah. The same choreographer. Correct. The Matrix is a year earlier than 99. She's the Um, Jade Fox is the matchmaker in the upcoming Mulan. Oh really? Just so, so keep that in mind when you see Mulan. You're like that's Jade Fox. Um, but it's it's interesting that like when we have all those Resident Evil, not Resident Evil, all those Matrixy aesthetic type clones, but they I guess did not get the same kind of uh, fight and stunt choreographers because I don't think of Underworld or Resident Evil or all those aught like Hollywood type things. I don't really think of the actions things being that amazing. You pick and choose, right? You get like, well, we use slow-mo. So they'll use slow-mo or what? Like there's only so many that like really know what, what combination of things is what make those films iconic. 
And so you can only do so much with that. And I imagine, you know, you're making all these movies at the same time. People are just high demand, right? You can't, you can't, you can't have Yoing Bing uh, come in and, you know, choreograph every single thing. Um, so, you know, you get some standouts. What's his name? Like uh, Corey Yoon, who was the, I'm thinking of the transporter, the first one. That movie was co-direct. It was, uh, it was directed by Louis Leterrier, but it was like, it has a weird credit where it's like Corey Yoon, I believe, was like the director, and Louis Leterrier was the artistic director. <laughs> like it was a weird, oh, like, yeah. It's like that's actually how it's credited, which is kind of insane. Um, but there's like a lot like that where you have a number of martial arts choreographers that are certainly popular in you know in in Asia where you, when they're doing work with you know various superstars like Donnie Yen or mm-hmm. or uh, Jet Li or Jack Jet, you know the main staples Michelle Yao. Uh, but you know you 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 want to draw them over to and John Woo for that matter I imagine is you know working with some of these people as well you can you can only pull them so many different directions to kind of get them to do what they want to do to get these movies that you need to copycat the other movie true I also think that it's interesting because I had seen Chow Yun Fat before this never really in martial art like because you just mentioned John Woo which is more which he was, he was more a gun guy than he was more right. yeah, he wasn't so. he was known for his hand to hand right yeah. choreography but not the same kind of choreography and the thing i always liked about chai and fat is beyond that stuff i just always thought he had a lot of presence oh he for has, sure just, oh yeah. Just, yeah yeah um so it is yeah all even though yes action wise i didn't necessarily know what he would be like you know doing these kind of moves um well, even now, like he's, you know, his athleticism is still apparent here, obviously, but he's an 80s, 90s guy, really. I mean, he's yeah. much like like Bruce Willis, honestly, or, you know, like a guy where. Well, like, so is Jackie Chan. I mean, Jack, yeah, but Jackie Chan's a crazy person. <laughs> like he's, yeah. he's still doing things. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, and I mean, Jackie Chan's younger, I believe. I'm pretty sure he has to be younger. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's and he, you know. He's trained like for his whole life. He has a, you know, he, it's he's in a different level. Yeah, Chow Young Fat is just like he's an actor that got roped into this kind of thing. Essentially, he's a very, he's just I very mean, cool. I think, Jackie, I think Jackie Chan's older than Chow Young Fat. He might, he might be. Yeah, I just think he. Oh yeah. He's like, he's, he's been doing this his whole like since he was a kid. Like going to the schools to train for this kind of thing and do like you know th- that's that's Jackie Chan's deal. Right. <laughs> like where where Chow Yun Fat's like he's escalated into this because he made friends with the right people and and you know balanced his charisma with his you know, athleticism but it's not like he's worked his whole entire life to be stunt guy <laughs> like okay jackie chan is one year older than there you go. yeah what wow wait how old are they uh jackie chan will be 66, 66 this year chai yeah. and fat 65 wow chet lee's got to be younger wait so he's wait 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 did you say he's 65 uh chai and fat yeah yeah, so he's forty-five here. He's forty-five in this. Like, uh huh. God, like he's in really good shape, man. Like, wow, that's yeah. Jet Li is uh fifty-seven. Yeah, that's what I yeah I figured he's younger. Oh, he's younger. Okay. Donnie Yen's like three hundred and forty-five, right? Like he's <laughs> he's he's like they've got this ageless appeal that seems to work for him. I right, watched like yeah. I watched It Man three. Yeah, exactly. You just confirmed that three hundred sixty-five. Yeah, yeah three hundred sixty-six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just watched It Man three not too long ago, and it's like guy's still doing this. Like, and I haven't seen It Man four yet, but it's like I won't be surprised if he's kicking ass in that movie too. 
I liked Man One and Two. How is the third one? It's a movie. I mean, it's not it's not bad. It it's just like yeah. I mean, you told the story in the first one, which I've always regarded as the life is beautiful of martial arts movies. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a very apt description if you've seen it, man. <laughs> and, um, and then two is just like all action. Finally, this guy gets in here. Oh, this about this. Yes, yeah, guy. Um. I forgot how late it is, too. It's almost an hour into this movie before we get uh-huh. her backstory, which is really, you know, really cool. And then telling, like, how these two basically fell in love. Um, yeah, yeah. Stockholm it, it, Syndrome, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a real <laughs> it's a real Beauty of the Beast situation. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he came with his big furry hat and everything. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Ip Man is Ip Man's cool. Ip Man 2's got, like, some really cool fights in it. Ip Man 3's got some action. The story's just kind of, like, whatever. And then Mike Tyson's in it, and it's like, well, all right. Like, I guess, I guess he's doing this. I heard it. I heard good things about It Man Four. It's a, they're all directed by the same guy too, so it's a pretty consistent series. I think that's what makes it appealing. I guess it's like they all seem to like like doing the things they're doing. Donnie Yen's fifty six, by the way, so he's a couple years under Jet Li. And to, to, Tony Jaa is a schoolboy. <laughs> Famously sane Tony Jaa, yeah. Is that Ung Bak? Yes. Yep. Muay Thai. He's he's you know he's different. Not a big Ong Bak guy. I know people love. Uh, yeah. I, uh, first first one's good. First one's solid for the action. Like for the, the uh, yeah 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 for straight up action. Uh, is the second two are and then yeah, the, uh, the, the protector has a really cool sequence where oh, he I goes like the up the stairs. Yeah, he's got a big one shot in there. It's really cool. Yeah. But I mean, his whole he, he wants to get back those elephants. Right. <laughs> he's he's got to get that elephant. And then he broke out in Furious Seven. Yeah. Yeah, you're too slow. We, we just can't, yeah. We just cannot uh, stop getting Tony Job. Well, movies. he and Vin Diesel are best friends. Though they go to the club because he was in Triple uh, X. Uh, oh yeah. Under Cage. I will say another one that you guys mentioned that I have never seen. Um, even though I like him in what is it, uh, Hobbs and Shaw or whatever, I don't think I've ever seen a Jason Statham where he's the star. I've never seen Transporter. I've never. He's got another one, right? Where the crank? You crank? Never seen that. Like, are uh, those good? There's, there are a lot of them that are pretty good. Yeah, I, I like the first two Transporters a lot. Um, I like the Crank films a lot. The uh, Safe is a really good one. Yes, um, yeah. That's, that's like underrated, but that's that's maybe the best one as far as a story goes in these movies. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. not action, but Bank Heist is really good. Oh yeah, the Bank. Yeah, that's another. That's that's another one. That's like. Those two are like probably the highest for me as far as is he in layer is he in layer cake or is that no, Daniel that, that's Daniel Craig, Craig. Oh, okay. Daniel Craig and um, I believe Tom Hardy's in that one also if I'm not mistaken he's like mm-hmm. a small role um based all the people that played British gangsters at one point is in one of Matthew Vaughn or Guy Ritchie's movies <laughs> but, yeah um what other Jason State what the mechanic films are like whatever um, uh what was the Jennifer Lopez one oh that's cool oh, that's the, I that's, saw that that's the remake of uh. A point for a point blank, uh, same mm-hmm. same novel. Uh, what's that called? Oh, he had Wild Card, the remake of Burt Reynolds' Heat from that same novel. That movie's not good. What's that one called though? With with Lopez and was it? He is like a cowboy hat at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I remember the big sell of that movie. Look at Statham wearing the cowboy hat. He wanted to say it's like Parker. Parker, Parker, Parker. Yeah, yep, it's Parker. Okay, yeah. 
Uh, I will will say what Statham has over like a Diesel or something, like he's an interesting guy to watch, even though he plays some iteration on the same dude every time. He's got that kind of like Mark Ruffalo Cusack thing, but in an action star mold where you're like, yeah, I could watch this guy for most things that are 80 to 90 minutes. His expressions tell you a lot. And I think that that means something. It's not about the variety of roles he plays because, yeah, he's playing a variation of his star persona, but it's very effective because he right. seems like he's it seems like he's considering a lot of different things at any one time, which I think is that's important. Well, he's for an great actor. in Spy. Well, yeah, because he's making fun of his. Oh, that was really yeah, that point. funny in that. Yes. Spy, and then there's the Meg. You, you see the Meg, Peter? Yeah, I, I wanted to love it, but I thought it was just OK. I oh, think yeah. it's fine, but I mean. That's one that's just asking him to be himself. Like there's no, there's nothing going on there. We're, I was trying to talk about this fight real quick. The the horseback riding fight sequence that happened just now. Like this is yeah. all just really cool. And this movie really breaks out here, where you're like you're you're in, you know, the cities and whatnot for the past hour, and now we're oh, out. Free, now, yeah. now we're out in the desert. It was like this movie has more scope. Like there's yes. more to go on here. <laughs> Is that just settling on what it had? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now she's like amongst like travelers that are bandits and we're in the also, open landscape. I will say another thing that this movie does really well, which I, I guess I kind of forgot, is that it it does pretty well with um, basically co-leads. Like yeah. for a while we're with Michelle Yeoh for maybe the first 30 minutes, you know, and now yeah. – Basically find her, and then there's oh, that, that move where she does the that move. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> so like, good. Like it does a pretty good job of like we're moving the narrative of these three different characters, and it balances. Pretty, yeah, pretty good. Um, well, that's the that's the yeah. thing. I mean, again, we speak to like why this movie I think captured the appeal of so many. It it's operating at just the highest level as far as delivering on both being an action film and a romantic drama, and. And it and has you know it's not it's not a stuffy period film by any means whatsoever because there's so there's just everything's going on on screen like you mentioned Brandon like there's always something interesting happening mm-hmm. in the frame and like you're saying Peter like the movie shifts around in its narrative and its uh, perspective so much that you're always fascinated by what's taking place because you're getting different motivations different understandings of who's going who's doing what so it's just really cool in that way yeah totally like and I and I had forgotten about all this desert stuff yeah you're right. What about this guy? Had he become? Is he in stuff? He's in things, but yeah, I mean, both, pretty much everyone that's not Chow Yun Fat, Michelle Yeoh, or Zhang Ziyi has just done a lot of stuff in China. Like that's really what it comes down to. But let me see if there's anything specific. I just had it up here. In yeah, our... no, it's, it's 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 like pretty exclusively Chinese films. Also, with the exception of maybe some some stunts that are outrageous. Are the three leads doing everything? I think they are, right? It looks pretty much like Zhang Ziyi the whole time here. Oh yeah, I mean it's a it's a much like there are stunt people because you need stunt people, but like this is probably stunt people because that's dangerous. But I mean it's um, <laughs> for the most part, yeah, you had a lot of training, so they're all, a lot so much of it's in camera, like you said, and that's when you make these kinds of films, like that's how you choreograph, right? You choreograph every shot to be like, Oh, so many moves. And so you, when you have that kind of safety, you can, you can have the actors being present as long as they know what they're doing. When you have people, you know, tumbling down hills or flying through the air and stuff like that, where you don't necessarily need a close up shot in their face. Yeah. You're going to get some stunt people in there because that's just how you make movies. Well, it's funny. Cause if, um, if... he's in Dune, the guy that plays low. Oh, oh nice. Somebody so, was when, so when you me, see Mulan, watch for the Mac Baker, and when you see Dune, watch for Doctor Wellington. You exactly. Um, 
somebody was uh, mentioning how, I guess, and I mean, I don't know this for sure, but Sean Connery in those early Bond movies, he did a lot of his stunts, which I guess is pretty impressive. Like um, now, of course, what a stunt is in a 60s James Bond movie is not what Tom Cruise you know, the level of what Tom Cruise does in the Mission Impossible movie is a very different different scale. Um, sure. But anyways, it's always interesting to me when it looks it, when it, when we at least think that there's some commitment by the actors to do what they can, you know, for the stunts and the fight choreography. and everything. Burt Reynolds did a lot of his stunts. Oh, I heard that, too. Yeah. Came back to haunt him later in life. But and he got home yeah. had a fist fight with um, Borman on deliverance for making a right. of the stunts. <laughs> Pretty much everyone wanted to kill each other in Deliverance. <laughs> I wonder if Burt Reynolds actually did some of the driving. Oh, for like sure. Oh, yeah. oh, no, his ego would force him to do the driving. <laughs> like, <that's> so <laughs> um, but we don't have a – it's weird, though. Like, I am sure like, – like, you're talking about how this – you know, this kind of uh, – I don't think that wire work and this aesthetic has necessarily gone away uh, in no, China. No, used differently. Right, but like I'm. Oh, like well, wait. Did you see Wolf Warrior or two or whatever? I've seen Wolf Warriors and I've seen Wolf Warrior two. Wolf Warrior two is fantastic. It, <laughs> that because that looks very modern. Do they do wire work or no? There's wire work to a degree, but it's more about gritty hand to hand fights and some gunplay. Like it's not about over. I mean, it is over. It's not. You know, it's not. It's not heightened. In the way that this is, right? It's, it's heightened for a gritty action movie, not heightened for a fantastical action movie. And it's awesome. Wolf Warrior Two rocks. Wait, which one? Rock? Part Wolf two. Warrior Two. Yeah. It made you like you don't need million dollars. Yeah, yeah like. it's insane. You don't, and you don't need to see one. You, but the only thing you need to see of the first one is like the first ten minutes because there's this awesome thing that happens with a sniper rifle. After that, you're gotcha. gonna, you can just turn the movie off and just go to Wolf Warrior Two. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do we know where this was shot? Do we know? Uh, Atlanta. <laughs> Pinewood <laughs> Studios. Pinewood Studios. <laughs> um, I, I have to, if I had to guess, I'd say, you know, just country parts of China, but I'll look right, it up really quick. But yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, Let's see here. You know, the film was made in Beijing with location shooting in, here are some names, Anhui, Haibei, Jiangsu, and the Zhejiang provinces of China. So you don't China. say. Oh. And this is the Gobi Desert, which makes sense. So. Oh. Where it constantly rained, apparently. Huh. Eight months this shot for. I uh, just ruined it. I thought she was supposed to be dehydrated and dried out. Now I just won't believe it. Eight months, and Ang Lee said he was miserable <laughs> making this because of all the energy. Never took any days off. Really. Stunt work mostly done by the actors. Most of the time you can see their faces. It's really them in the trees. Mm-hmm. You know, another reason why Zhang Ziyi is like one of the standout actors is because she actually speaks Mandarin. So that's why there was no like no no thoughts on her as far as, you know, people that have some sort of contempt for the way the accents were going for, mm. you know, how, old, and, and, you know. how old is Zhang Ziyi? I mean, how old is she in this? I mean, she looks like she's she still, she still looks this age. She, yeah, I know. <laughs> she's, she was 20 because she's 41 now. Oh, OK. So, okay. yeah. OK. 
Okay. I mean, this was like her debut movie, so yeah. yeah. Wait, this is her debut? Um, there, she's got some other stuff, but this is like her, you know, break, giant breakout role. No, Rush Hour 2 is the following summer. Yeah. Yeah, there's two movies before this. Uh, so, you know, this is a star-making role right here. But yeah, after, I mean, there's not much in the way of American stuff, right? There's Rush Hour 2... That's you know that's really, yeah, that's really yeah it's it a, really is the memoirs of a geisha that I mentioned I think she's like a voice in something the Cloverfield thing you mentioned go Godzilla Godzilla versus Kong coming out this year so yeah remember the matchmaker Doctor William and um, and Godzilla and Godzilla can, um, versus Kong look for all these all these actors in upcoming movies yeah <laughs> but yeah I mean but I mean. Even in the in the you know the other Chinese or Hong Kong movies that she's done, there's still like notable ones like Hero, uh, a couple of um, Wong Kar Wai's right, uh, 2046 and um, Grandmaster. Oh, 2046. Okay, yeah. yeah. And and Grandmaster being the the um, the art version of It Man. Yeah. This is why I like this character so much, by the way. When he goes and he's like, I'm just going to sing for you while yeah. I go out. And if you hear my voice, it's okay. Uh, like, he's, such an, he's such an endearing character because he does that. <laughs> and he like dances out the back, too. It's great. It's such a great little moment. And that gives you this awesome, like, you know, quad set of characters now. Because you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. <laughs> and he's still singing. He's outside now. He's still doing his thing. <laughs> And like, because we're like an hour in, right? We get like some humor to go with. Like we're, you know, we're breaking the we, the movie's breathing right now. That's what we're really getting. Right. right? We're, we're, this giant flashback is a chance for the film to breathe, and it really works because for one thing, you get to understand um, Zhang Ziyi's character a lot, but you also get this new guy who's just a ton of fun. <laughs> like he's just, <laughs> just like, a, he's like, yeah, okay, Charlie and Fat. But they're like not saying how much they love each other, but these two, these two are having fun, <laughs> like flirting around and stuff. House of Flying Daggers, other Zhang Ziyi movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm curious now about the the Netflix one. Even though you're saying it's okay, you know. It, yeah, like, I mean, it's not a waste of time. Like, I mean, you'll get some stunt stuff, and you'll get this world to some degree again. It's just, yeah, it's not this movie. <laughs> How is Michelle Yeoh? I mean, like, obviously, I, 20 I mean, years. I, I mean, I saw this movie like when it came out on Netflix, which was, what, like, seven years ago now or something at this point? I don't remember much of it. I, I'm sure she's probably fine. <laughs> ah. Oh, I love she freaking stabs him. Yeah, she just goes for it. <laughs> but oh, he takes please, it. yeah. He takes it. Biting him? Is that like her? Well, not anymore. Um, (laughs) You call it biting, but... So this is this weird year at the Oscars, right? Where we have... Well, Gladiator wins. Yep. Um, I remember Michael (laughs) Michael Douglas read Best Picture that year, and you could hear the kind of sigh in his voice. He's like, Gladiator. 
<laughs> like he's he's in one of them he's he's in one of the best picture nominees and he's in one of the best pictures the other best picture one of the other best pictures of the year uh wonder boys um like it's like gladiator <laughs> it's, like it's funny i was uh um earlier uh tonight i was talking to somebody about somehow tony scott came oh because of the top gun maverick coming out and uh the person I was talking to was saying that it's weird because while they think that Ridley Scott has probably made at least two A plus like movies for consistency, he actually preferred Tony Scott. He's like, actually, I think like consistently, I actually think that Tony Scott has made like just more like good to great. Uh, and it's weird. Cause I actually, I, I don't yeah. think he's wrong. I, I'll I mean, put it this way. I, I would easily, it's easier to get on a marathon of Tony Scott movies for me than it would be to Ridley Scott movies. Yeah. I think part of that's because he comes on so strong at the beginning with, you know, Alien and Blade Runner back to back where, where Tony Scott's got like this, he's got this like scattershot career of like cool things, cool things, cool things. And like some stuff that's like, whatever. <laughs> where Ridley Scott's like Alien, Blade Runner. Legend, all right, top, not top gun. Um, what's it? Um, Black Rain and some. What's that one you just reviewed, Brandon? Like somebody to watch over? Is that what it is? What is it? With Tom Berenger? Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody to watch over me or some something like, like that. He doesn't like Scott. Doesn't like hit it big again until like like he gets Thelma and Louise in there, and then yep. that's like his nineties are bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> bad. It's not until like like Hannibal gets some. Or no, he's a gladiator before Hannibal, right? Gladiator, then Hannibal. Like, it's his 2000s where he starts kicking... And Black Hawk Down's in there also. Like, that's where his, like... His run starts going where he becomes, like, more respected because he gets, like, a Best yeah. Director nomination and whatnot. And Once he, gets, he wins Best Director, yeah. He didn't He didn't win Best. He got nominated. He got nominated. Oh, okay. Because Steve Zuderberg won. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Sorry. But he still got, like... It seemed like he was able to suddenly balance the acclaim with his blockbuster-y kind of thing that he was going after. So he started doing a lot more and he got interesting he made a lot of variety of things he had gladiator then like i said black hawk down hannibal uh matchstick man which i Matchstick man one of his um, that's an a, that's one of his a plus movies for me uh-huh yeah, it's great uh King, kingdom of heaven another a plus movie for me oh but, yeah uh, yes uh, he uh you know his 90s it's like they're bad but like it was like high profile bad. Like fourteen ninety two was supposed to be something. Uh, White Squad, GI Jane, GI Jane was all in the news all the time. Yeah. yeah, like they were they were movies that we were told were going to be these big things. Jeez, Hannibal and Black Hawk Down were like made right next to each other. They're both yeah. Together. Hannibal was Actually, like, yeah, I I was like, like by the way, I like Hannibal. I think Hannibal is underrated. Uh, <laughs> well, if you're comparing it to Hannibal Rising, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, 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 like. Sounds the lamp. You know what it is. I would say even though they're two different filmmakers, I would sort of compare it to Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom. Of course, Raiders is my favorite one, but I don't know, man. Temple of Doom, there's good stuff there, and, and I kind of feel no, the same. No, this is a it. this is a bad comparison. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, no, but I'm not. Yeah. Wait, you like Temple of Doom more than Raiders? No, I I think well, I like Raiders, Temple of Doom, and Crusader, like all spectacular movies. Silence of the Labs is a perfect movie. Hannibal's a bad movie. That's the difference. <laughs> <for me. laughs> Han- Hannibal is a good 40 minutes, and then like they leave Spain, and the rest of the movie happens, and it's a dumpster fire. Right. Well, no, the the idea was 
they were too focused on Anna Arthur too. Yeah, <laughs> go on. <laughs> Focusing on Clarice, where the the main crux of that story was that detective that's off once, like you yeah, know, Giancarlo, whatever. Yeah, the, the Italian that, actor. That's the story. Mathis each, from Casino Royale. <laughs> e, yeah, each one of his books was should have been a different person's experience with Hannibal Lecter, and I, Listen, I think I that's. Like, I like the guy. I like the Italian guy. I, yeah, I, I'm I like, saying that's, that's what we're saying. That's and where that, the story and that, is, and that ends when he gets gutted 40 minutes in, and then the rest of the movie's terrible. That's what I'm but, saying. But hey, the, the television series did right by what was good with Hannibal. You know, they yeah, yeah, they made Hannibal worth it. Would you guys say? I mean, you know, we we talked earlier about that's a really beautiful shot, by the way. There's um, a lot, we talked over a lot of this, but there's that great the whole setting up of the end where he's telling her about the legend of jumping off that bridge to get a wish. That kind oh, of that's right. It's, right, it's, right, it's right. a fantastic little bit, and that I that's part of why the ending is fantastic in this movie. Where are you gonna uh, ask, Peter? Well, just uh, just going back because I'm glad you guys didn't say how you felt about Gladiator. Obviously, you like this, <laughs> like this more. Um, I was uh, I was a big fan of Gladiator back in 2000. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I I'll admit I really like enjoyed that movie back then. Uh, ever since then, I'm like, okay, it's a solid movie. I think I may have overdone it, but my love of it. But um, I was a, a big fan of it back then. But now I just it's pretty pretty good. It, it was my birthday movie that year because I'm uh, early May person and so that was like the big like opening movie of the of the summer you know the big opening blockbuster and mm-hmm. i saw it and i was like this is pretty good it's enjoyable it's fun it you know it's a little long but it does its job and i, I was a huge i'm a huge i was huge on jaimon hansu at that time too it's like yeah like <laughs> you'll see this jaimon in action i think joaquin phoenix is kind of terrible in it so it's weird that he got an oscar nomination but whatever um and then the fact that it carried on all the way from May to the Academy Awards, I kept thinking, this movie? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Like, it's doing its job as far as being summer spectacle in an epic setting. But, and like, I think Crow is, he's very good at it. I, like, I'm, I'm not upset that he won Best Actor. I do think he does a great job. But, mm-hmm. and he looks like the best he's ever looked. <laughs> like, he looks really cool in that movie. Like, in the, what he's, first getting into the arenas and he has like that blue tunic and everything and he's got his short hair it's like yeah, yeah. cool that's a that's a cool look for crow coming off it like... got him all the roles through the 2000s uh-huh but um you really did but mm-hmm. as a whole that's a cool shot when the arrow goes right through the thing um but as like gladi is like all right i guess we're i guess this is winning <laughs> stuff and it, it did it's like okay meanwhile and this is Chocolat you know, should have got it. Yep. I agree. Yeah, chocolate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, this is like 98 to 2001 is like when I'm becoming like a real film guy. And mm-hmm. beyond just like I love seeing movies, it's like I'm really recognize. You know, I'm at this teenage burdening age where I'm like seeing a lot of really neat things like LA Confidential and all of 1999 and Dark City and all kinds of, and you know the movies that are here. And it's like there's so much going on that I really enjoy. And so I'm looking at that year, and I'm looking at, like, Traffic, which I was, I was really big on, and, like, Wonder Boys, which I really like, and uh, uh, a lot of things that, were, that, that came out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Gladiator's the best movie of the... Okay, all right, that's the winner. See, for me, that was, like, uh, the first Oscars I really remember feeling like I had a, like, strong feel it was the... 90, was it 95 with Pulp Fiction? Forrest Gump, uh-huh. um, all the like I I the really ninety four films, yeah, yeah the ninety four films, and then like the year of Titanic, which 
damn, that was a good year for Best Picture nominees, but yeah. we all yeah. knew Titanic was taking it. It, it earned it. I mean, that's the difference between that and like Gladiator. I'm not going to argue. Not my favorite of the bunch, but no, I'm not going to argue it wasn't worthy. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no question to me that Titanic, to me, is much more of, like of I, an achievement, a zeitgeist thing than Gladiator. Yeah, like if Gladiator yeah. didn't win, I don't think we'd remember Gladiator. Like in the way that we do. Like I, I don't. But it's like, it's a super popular film. It, like, yeah, but I I'm curious and, if it if it just you know hit, hit comes out in May, leaves in Jill, in August, does it like hold on to the kind of stance that it has as far as people like quoting like Max Risi, you know all that and all the like is that is that it, sick? It, it seems to be like where it, a lot of athletes love Gladiator. I notice like yeah, that's for sure it's a movie about, a, the big movie thing, about athlete big winning. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, the ultimate, it's the they ultimate Nike fade. movie. Right. Just, wait, just a side note, they just do a fade to black. <laughs> yeah, we got a fade in there. Fade to black mm-hmm. in a while. Like, that's interesting. Oh, this is one of my favorites. This, this, this is the tea house, yep. the tea house fight. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Got yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a, okay. it's a weird lineup of best picture because you have Gladiator, and then, which, okay, fine. Crouching Tiger, yeah, obviously. Traffic, obviously. And then Shakala and Aaron Brockovich are Best Picture nominees. And it's like, well, actually, I like yeah. Aaron. Brockovich. Well, Aaron Brockovich I'm, is that I'm kind not, that's like, well, that's just going to get an acting nob, maybe for something for the script. I'm but, not you saying know? that these are bad movies necessarily, but it's like, uh, for Best Picture nominees, like, okay, like, Shakala, Aaron Brockovich. Meanwhile, like, Billy, Stephen Daldry gets a Best Director for Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot is really good. Uh, I'm surprised but, it Here's go. the thing. Almost Famous is the giant snub That's the other thing, yeah. over all of this. Yeah, Almost Famous is yeah. Almost Famous gets like what the actor and or sorry actress and supporting actress noms and the yeah. screenplay. Or no, no, sorry, two, screenplay. sorry two, two supporting it because it's both um, Francis McDormand and Kate Hudson. They're both nominated for supporting actress. Sorry, um, and they don't and yeah, cancel a, each other out. And that's a huge like favor for a lot of people, right? Yeah, um, like you can count on me is you know that's. Another like big it's, screenplay favorite. Yeah, yeah, almost famous like the Nightcrawler of that year. Like, there you go. Why yeah. did this get? <laughs> Nobody liked this. Okay. Wonder Boys is another. I keep mentioning Wonder Boys. Yeah, Wonder, like yeah. Wonder Boys. But yeah, Wonder it. Boys. Which did win? It won a uh, song, or yeah, it did. Yeah, Bob Dylan won the Oscar for song on that one. Um, what else? Like, Oh Brother, we're out there. Was like, it's like that movie was like weirdly popular, but in like the wrong places. Like it, mm-hmm. it, its soundtrack was huge. It made decent money for a Coen Brothers film because it was like a touchstone universal. It had like it had everything it needed to be expansive, and it had George Clooney in this kind of like peak area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was doing all the right things, but just didn't really accelerate beyond, you know, the kind of like yeah, we like this, <laughs> but it's but like not enough to like nominate it for like more stuff. Right, and that was like what the next year, right, or is it two thousand? That's the same year. Oh, Brothers that year. It's in that. Oh, Brothers is in that same Oscar. Yeah, it's it was up for a screenplay nomination, and I I have to assume cinematography. Uh, In two thousand. Yeah. What's Oh Brothers two thousand? Oh well, two thousand. Oh well, it's the same. Or sorry, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same. It's in it's in the same Oscars as this movie. (laughs) Because I see their best original song nominees are Things Have Changed. Uh, Fool in Love, I, Meet the Parents. I've seen I didn't all say that song. I'm just saying. I just said the soundtrack was very popular. It went like oh, you know, okay, it went like Sorry. platinum. Like it was huge in, as far as its sales. Gotcha. No, yeah, yeah, that song was yeah. You know, the song I, wasn't I, in there. Yeah, yeah. 
the yeah, way, up for, yeah, Deacons was up for cinematography for sure because that movie looks amazing. And it was the first like digitally colored right. transfer or color timed film. Uh, just as not related, but like to the movie. Uh, that, was not the, that was not the tea house fight yet, by the way. We're, we're getting. Oh no, no, no. Chow Yun Fat putting Michelle's hand on his cheek. I I always remember that image. Um, so I was like, oh, that's that moment. <laughs> like, um, which is a very nice, you know. Again, going back from balance of action to a real sense of like tenderness in this love, this uh, you know, uh, ongoing love story between these two people who the, this unrequited love story. Unrequited it's so, love story. Right. It's so wonderful because we just watched this whole break with uh with uh, Zhang Zi and the, and the low character, now the tea house fight's coming, uh, Zhang Zi and the low character, where they're like enthralled with each other. And these two, they can't, like, they can be super confident in everything else, but they can't muster up the strength to say, hey, I like you. Like, it's not, it's just not coming right. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a crazy thing. Uh, do they have any, like, other movies together? Giant Fat and Michelle Yeoh? Because, I mean, they just look like they, they're either just damn fine performers, which they are, or they just seem to really enjoy sharing the screen together like it just they have, they have good chemistry clearly yeah. but no this is i mean unless there's some random chinese film that i don't know about i mean yeah this is the the one where they're together yeah we're all anticipating this idea this fight is <laughs> these, <laughs> like these guys are walking up the stairs to be like we're gonna fight you now <laughs> a huge staff that that guy's got like uh-huh. so if you're listening to this commentary and uh, you're not watching the movie with it doing something else go do something for the next mi- couple minutes we're just gonna sit in awe of this fight i wonder if they they did they do you think they built this like giant building for them to do all this stuff in you'd have to right you can't just like find yeah. this place that's ideal for all of the fighting they have to do like this guy i just got these big soft things man <laughs> <laughs> This, this as I rec- yeah, this seems crazy. Who hosted that Oscars? Iron Steve Arms. Martin. Steve Martin here. Back when the Oscars had hosts. <laughs> I remember those days. And they ran over. Nowadays they just you know end on time, right? Because they have no hosts. Oh, here we go. go. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Wait, did she get her wrist hurt? Yeah. Yeah. Because well, he, like he has the iron thing on his wrist. That's what. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. That's that great shot. camera. Yeah. I love that. Oh god. The camera goes all the way. It's still it's going. We're still this camera the shot has not ended. There it goes. <laughs> That's why I was like things like the raid were so exciting to me because they're like you're watching like a camera go through a floor to another floor and it's still yes. going. It's like it's like when 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 uh cinematographers want to get like wild like that, like yes, I'm totally in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Because like the raid like... was like forever ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like Carnahan and Frank Guller were gonna make that remake forever ago. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, the raid two feels like forever ago. Yeah. So... <laughs> I mean, they came out in back back years, didn't they? Uh, two years. Or is apart. it two years apart? Two years apart, but it was still like you know, the the potency of the raid was still strong when the raid two came out. Right. Like it, it didn't feel like it went away. It was just like yeah. 
more well, Gareth, more Gareth, that way. Uh, Gareth Evans. Yeah, yeah, Gareth Evans. Is, is Gareth, yeah, Gareth, Gareth, Gareth Edwards is Godzilla. Uh, right. Gareth, Gareth Evans. And Tarantino, Kill Bill would come out with the next year. I forgot about the Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah. I, there we go. As far as the other example of a Wuxia film that was super successful and very good at what it was doing, Kill Bill is the obvious answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> as far like for an American like take on this, because he, oh. he he brought in Yu Wing Ping for one thing, and he's Tarantino, so he knows what the fuck he's doing. About yeah. This. <laughs> Completely with a world, characters, spectacular fight choreography, like everything. You got what you needed. <laughs> this whole sequence is insane. She's <laughs> taking on like six guys That's at once. That's pretty crazy. She comes through the doors that open, but I mean, obviously she's on a wire. I don't know how they... That's a pretty incredible... Well, you they digitally the remove also. it? Yeah. Well, yeah, but it just how they must have staged that. Well, look it's at like, this shot right here where the camera's going all across the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's still following her. She's right in front of us. It's like it's awesome. This is and this is like all the power of the Green Destiny. Like it's 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 her like ego, and and using this sword all in one. So you can you can see her just take down random bar people. Do you think so? Like the Chai and Fat um, Lee or whatever. Do you think he wants her as a true worthiness or his last effort to? take his revenge on the jade fox i don't think he has revenge in his system i, I think yeah. he's too he's too yoda for that that well i mean his peaceful version of his his uh revenge on the jade fox because once she appears he's again he is back to business like oh well now i can finish this he wants the sword back i think he just lost track of her over all those years and gave up and then this yeah. is his last thing and then maybe he feels he could take advantage of a student because she's interested in his sword. And he could, through her, commit the act without having his hands dirty. This is a, it's funny how this scene serves, uh, you know, multiple purposes. One, of course, it's, you know, the main characters have to get information on what's going on. Get all I, the people that are bruised. <laughs> I, 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 the I whole like room it. is battle damaged. I, I like the sense that in a weird way she didn't kill anybody. They're just all bruised and everything. Right. Like, there's very few like deaths that. in this movie. Like there's a lot of fighting. There's that one guy that got in the head, obviously, the head. and then there's a you know some at the end that we'll get to. But I mean, it's not a the movie's violent without being bloody. Yeah, or murderous. Brandon, to your point, I hear. I hear that as. I'm a just reading. saying that as a read. I'm not saying as if yeah. I completely believe it, but it's just an idea. I mean. It's there's like maybe lingering thoughts in there that could correspond with what he's going through, but I mean I just don't I don't see him acting in that capacity. I guess. I'd see well, we only see him at the point of retirement. We don't see sure. the warrior he was before. He's you know sure. Obi Wan Kenobi, you know in Star Wars where things have happened, and the one time we see him is this slow ass old man lightsaber battle where he's. Yeah. Passive. And I'm not going to say, like, this is the, the only way you can read it, because, I mean, you have, like, all the Clone Wars and whatnot expand on his kind of persona more. But, I mean... Well, I mean, when you watch Star Wars, that's all that exists. That's all for sure. that's okay, for, fair enough. Star Wars. And I guess yeah, you get a taste of that by him chopping off an arm in the cantina, and, like, this guy means business. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, you see, when Chai and Fat interrupts the fight with the uh, old Jade Fox, you uh-huh. see, you know, he's capable of stuff. But, yeah, no, I think he's... There's also that he could be getting it. His version of revenge would be like, I have your student now. Ha ha ha. Enjoy your lonesomeness. But it, 
I, I'd be curious what others who grew up with Chow Young Fat would think of that because he is like a Clint Eastwood type, right? Yeah. I mean that kind of the kind of star presence he has, like that's the mm-hmm. kind of characters he plays. So if like, you look at him as like a man with no name type character, then yeah, I can see that as being like a a thing he has in his back pocket where it's like he's certainly respectable and he's you know you look at him and you think don't mess with this guy and he's sitting there thinking I could take all of this out, uh, but I'll, I have other ways I can accomplish the same goal. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, a movie like this I watch that many times. I try to find new <laughs> mm-hmm. ways of seeing things or maybe opening up things that I never thought of before. But then it's probably all down there in the book on paper where it's like, oh, okay, I was totally wrong. And this is like an old story, too, right? It's based yeah. off of another book and everything. And isn't it like the 16th book? Yeah, it's like it's part of a huge yeah. series. Yeah, let me let's see if I can find that, actually. Because that's what the sequel is. Like it's based off another one of the books. Yeah, it's like the Wizard of Oz. It's like the fifth book in this <laughs> in that series. But... This is the fourth work of a pentology that okay. are collectively called the Crane Iron Pentology. Well, three more to go, right? <laughs> yep. I'm guessing the Netflix movie is it the fifth one? Um, uh, let me find it again. An original story follows. Oh, come on. <laughs> Based on Iron Knight Silver Vase. Hmm. I don't. I don't know if that's part of the series. <laughs> you know, among so, the other among the other themes that we've talked about with this film, it's a uh, you know this is a film set in 18th century china it's a very you know feminist movie right it's like a, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of women in power in this film it's certainly oh, taking yeah. charge two leads well, yeah i mean zhang Yu, um which we'll call zhang Yuma also with razor i feel like that that might have been a a thing that happened around I, of course i have no idea if it's historical but i feel like 90s and 2000s we saw a lot of chinese filmmakers doing uh period era movies about china but with you're right with very strong uh women characters um but i don't know if they're making a comment on the world of the 90s in china and stuff but yeah very strong empowering characters this fight's great too this one this is the one mm-hmm. where it's the green destiny versus michelle yo using every weapon she can right <laughs> right yeah this is the fourth book in that series the sequel was based off the fifth book in that series out of five. Oh, brandon was right yeah so it was the, it was the final chapter. <laughs> so we could wait for the George Lucas like, to make the crouching prequels. About eighteen more years, we'll get the we'll get the prequels. Yeah, prequels, we'll get that yeah. the, the IP cash in. <laughs> mm-hmm. What if that happened? What if Egg Lee came in? It's like, guys, guess what? I'm making a trilogy of films. They're all prequels to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Would he, would, to go back to Hannibal, would he Red Dragon the fifth one then? <laughs> no, so it's no uh, My, Michael Mann would come and be like, guess what, guys? I'm making a sequel <laughs> to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> it's going to start Tom Noonan. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, tell me you don't want to watch that. He'll, it'll it'll be so far in the future. It'll be He's going to play all the parts. He's going to wear a mocap suit. 
because Michael Mann apparently gets into mocap in 20 years. He does, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can't make any movies anymore. I have to use mocap all the time. Didn't you see Heat 2? <laughs> we used that all the De Niro and, and Pacino and those mocap scenes. He, he, he has a Scorsese-DiCaprio relationship with Tony Cabell. Yeah. <laughs> I this is so cool though watching like her like every weapon gets destroyed she keeps having to grab a new thing from the rack. Whoa! And they're all like wacky weapons too. It's like you yeah, got a spear with feathers on it. You got like this weird hook thing. Yeah. Oh, that... <laughs> that's crazy. I like how she like you know she hooks them together and swings yeah. it around. It's really cool. It, it seems like every weapon's being used the exact way you would use that weapon. Like, it's like you've seen situations. every like kung fu movie with those things hanging on the background it's like okay i'll show people those actually are things that people use <laughs> yeah because i mean for, again for like american audiences that are seeing this movie in droves since it made 128 million dollars mm-hmm. like they're you know seeing a lot of these weapons for like the first time unless they saw kung right. when they were like kids because like i could look at i don't know, like gordon like uh, enter the 36 chambers of gordon Liu, and there's a lot of movies in that because that movie's mostly training sequences involving other weapons <laughs> so it's you know seeing something like this where you get to see them all in action I like the idea of Ang Lee being like, I can make a sophisticated kung fu movie. At the same time, I get to have some giddy fun by using all these weapons in the movie. This thing's wild. This, like, bronze weapon mm-hmm. that she's using now. <laughs> it's like a big stick. Yeah, what is that thing? Yeah, crazy. Well, that's great. The shakiness. I mean, yeah, the, the sound. vibration of the, yeah. It's still it's just tearing up the room too. Look at these shots where it's just like there, you know, there's like six or oh, seven yeah. or eight moves in every shot, and you have to have clanging weapons going off each other. Also, the second half's pretty action-packed, by the way. Guys. Like, oh, yeah. Like, the first half has some cool fights in it. This half, it's like we every... We just every, had the tea house scene. Yeah, like, every 15 minutes, there's another really cool fight that happens in this movie. There's a big broadsword now. Yeah. They're all kingdom of heaven on him. I just, I cannot oh. imagine just how crazy it would just to learn this and everything. I just, it's so much, you know, it's overwhelming to me. Because of the length of these shots, that's what it is. You like, you see it all in action on their faces, so you know they're all doing this, and the speed too. Do you think ever any of the speed is speeded up? In some, in this movie, I don't know. I kind of doubt it. I know that's a thing, and I, it's more. I think it's less about speed and more about like removing certain frames. I know that's a technique that's used a lot. I don't think that's again. I don't think that's done very often here. And it's more. I think it's more about just good, like the editing the rhythm, and just very specific camera placement. Wait, where did he come from? Like, he where... jumped in. That's oh, what he okay. does. <laughs> not the first time he's done it this movie. That's true. You're Peter, right. what's the second half of this title? Oh, Hidden Dragon. Yes. Yeah, he's just, he's, he's there. <laughs> he comes mm-hmm. in. 
here's the here's the cool yeah it, it follows this one where he Whoa. after that scene ends then she gets they, they start getting in this chase they're going through the woods mm-hmm. and all that i just really like this because it's a mix of like the like the the beauty of the seat of the scenery that you're getting through all this the fantastical elements that you're getting in this the philosophy the, phil, the philosophy that's being kind of disputed between these two and as you uh, mentioned the sound design is amazing sound, in this scene yeah because it really like the score dials down a bit so you just hear like the wind and things and just like the extent of the kind of the floating that they're all doing it never it doesn't feel out of place like that's another thing we didn't really talk about we talked about how it doesn't really set you up for it mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like random it doesn't feel off it just feels like this makes sense for this world and I think people connected to that. I think that's why it became a hit. Like they weren't questioning the idea of them doing this thing. Maybe in jest or people that just you know didn't go see it. But I mean, clearly it struck a chord with a lot of people because they're like entranced by the fact that this was happening as opposed to criticizing it. Because it looks cool. <laughs> it does. It really does. And it just, it really. Well, that's right. I remember this shot coming down. Yeah. Oh. And it goes to slow mode. So that's the cool thing also. there's that shot it's like the uh, duel of fates fight sequence where they get those zoom-ins on the faces the discarded colin trevorrow movie duel of the fates or the song duel? <laughs> <laughs> both uh, i'm just sure you had that going in there this is so yeah the, the the like the elevation stuff we're doing now with the moving through the trees and yeah this cool thing on the bamboo and all that I think I told this story before, but that was I saw a preview for Hero, like a trailer for Hero in theaters once, probably during one of the many, many times I saw Kill Bill Volume 2, because that mm-hmm. trailer was attached to it. And there's that shot where it's under the water, and they're walking on, they're like running across the water, because Zhang Zimao is like, if you think Ang Lee could do this, let me, let's watch what I could do. Um, and there was some guy in the theater who was like, again? And my... <laughs> My thought, was, my thought was, what, have you been plagued with wuxia movies? Like, what's yeah. the problem here? <laughs> right. Have these been nonstop for you? Like, you can't handle seeing a trailer for this movie? Also, does this look bad? Are you like, I hate people running on water and fighting. That's stupid. Like, come on, guy. Get out of here. As you do, see you, a do you have movie. to go see it? No. <laughs> it was just such a, like, asshole thing. He's like, again? I was like, what? <laughs> Again? One for Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, please. I, like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I want to see the new Mark Wahlberg picture. You can do that at home, sir. Is there any of these films from, from after this that you put anywhere near this? I mean, there's a few for me, I guess, because I've mentioned them. But I got Flying there. Daggers, pretty high. Daggers, yeah, yeah. I, I really like uh, Flying Daggers. I, but yeah, this is kind of the, yeah, the the main one. The pinnacle. Uh, and I saw I saw a lot of. Um, I love this shot too down the the rock slide, the rock mountain near with the waterfall, and she goes for the dead of the sword. In my you know college days, I saw a lot of Hong Kong wire uh, stuff from the nineties. I'm trying to think. There's one like particular Iron Monkey. I do. Oh yeah, I love yeah. Iron Monkey. Um, Black. Was it, what's the Jet Li one? Black Mask. Is that yep. one of them? Yep. There's Black. one. There's one with kind of a. That's a strange title, and I'm trying to think. I feel like I was a big fan of it. Now nah, I don't remember what it's called. Um, but this was, yeah. But but very much Crouching Tiger was just like you said. I mean, it's the 
the action, the poetry, the philosophy, the love. It's got it all. Like, yeah. I mean, or, so those yeah. other films, I love those other movies and everything, but it's just a different, different. It's just like on another level, you know, Hero's so, pretty great. Also, I really like here. Like I, it's not quite up, but like I watched Hero not too long ago, and I was like, I could just watch this again. Like it's just really, it's it's like it's a tight movie. It's like a tight ninety minute movie also, and it's so expressive in its filmmaking with the the use of colors to denote different time periods and memory and what have you. Oh, another one. Um, uh, when uh, Takashi Kitano was like, I'm going to bring back Zatoichi, because why not? Oh, yeah, did. yeah, yeah. That one's, I mean, that's less about the why, because that's Japanese, for one thing. But, and it's, you know, it's focused on ronin and samurai, so the, it's about sword play and how few moves you can do as opposed to how elaborate you can be. Right. But that was a, that's a really fun one. Cause that he, is... He, he he took what works about Zatoichi and then made it his own for 2000s, which has this kind of dry sense of humor running through it. And it has some really cool, like, musical elements as well. Like, there's a lot of people doing actions on screen that correspond to the soundtrack, which I thought was really fun. Because that came out, like, I believe, like, the same year as Kill Bill Volume 2. Like, that was 2004, I think. Mm, like... okay. And, like, Stephen Chow was coming out with things, too, right? He had, like, Shaolin oh, Soccer yeah, and Kung, uh, Kung, Fu Fu, Kung Fu Hustle. Who did the fight choreography for the Kill Bills? Y- Yao Wingping. Oh, okay, of course. <laughs> for, volume, for Volume 1 specifically, I believe. I don't... Because they didn't really do much in Volume 2. It was more... Oh, I mean, I imagine tra- it was a trailer fighting, but that, I don't think, required... But that, I mean, he it was one big movie, right? So I guess it doesn't really matter. He... Tarantino, he was there. Tarantino made it as one. A movie, whole so. bloody affair. Exactly. Oh yeah, I mean there is the what the um when she goes to train and everything, he's doing his wire fight with Gordon Park. He's, he's doing all his fighting and stuff. Even the fight with Bill, it's as short as it is. I mean, it still involves some elaborate movement in the, in the moment. But I mean, it's interesting because you were bringing up the raid earlier. I mean, I guess, I guess we could say that only because I'm now trying to think of the context of these types of what kind of action um, aesthetic is going on. But I mean, I guess the John Wick movies are, we could say, are because could the John Wick? Do they call it like is that gun fu uh, gun? Because it's the guns, right? Gun gun fu is like. It's a term that was adopted after like what equilibrium? Like a, yeah, equilibrium. <laughs> equilibrium was like that established it. Gun kata, sorry, that's what it is. Gun, gun, gun kata. Oh. Um, but I, I mean, wuxia is a, a specifically a Chinese term. Like that's a, that's a, that's a right. Chinese right. phrase. There, yes, but in terms of like martial arts and gunplay combining, I mean, that's a post matrix thing essentially. I mean, there's that's not necessarily true. You have the John Woo movies or whatnot. They break well, equal equilibrium was quote unquote better than the Matrix. Yeah, it says that on the box somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Who says that? Except the box. The, the one guy that wanted a pull quote for Equilibrium. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, what's his name? Ben Lyons or something. I don't know. Like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I just always remember that box because it says, better than the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. Um, so the same I, it's fun. <laughs> I'll say that. Equilibrium has its fun. But, like, it's like, if you don't think about it too hard, it's like, all right. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Sean Bean gets shot in the face as usual, so yeah, it works out. <laughs> Tay Diggs get his face sliced off. That's a pretty cool death scene. 
But honestly, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, I I really love the John Wick films. Um, I I I love that bathroom scene in um, Mission Impossible: The Fallout. And and recently, I I liked the uh, the big uh, kind of. I didn't occur to me till someone brought up the kind of homage to Kill Bill, the kitchen scene in uh, The Hunt uh, and everything. But I do miss. I miss this, like you said, beginning, middle, end. This kind of like language that's going on in these in, in a film mm-hmm. like this with its fight scenes. Like it just Some yeah. Have, like John Wick had. If the, oh, you want to talk John about, does, yeah, John Wick does. You want to talk about the, the epitome of that? It's Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, that's the oh, movie yes. <laughs> does right. everything too. This is great. This well, whole sequence uh, right here. Got to defend all these arrows as Jade Fox is coming in with her bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> her bullshit. And then, like, the the way she's taken oh. out is great. <laughs> it's, oh. like, it's, it's so, like, everything happens to her. It's like John Malkovich in Con Air. Like, she gets, yeah. like, a bunch of arrows in her. She blasts into, like, a thing of pots. And he stabs her. <laughs> <laughs> and so you die. And, yes, when I talk about legendary deaths, John Malkovich in Con Air, where he gets ejected from a car, thrown through glass... Falls onto a conveyor belt, and then the like a big hammer thing smashes his face. <laughs> Wait, but of but course just... it wasn't enough because Young Fat still gets kicked by one of the death needles. It's sad. It's sad now. Wait, but when did we? Wait, didn't we just? But wait a minute. But Zhang Ziyi was poisoned too. So isn't he? Isn't in theory? Wouldn't he be okay? Just like oh, I just need the antidote. Well, Peter, that's the end of this movie. <laughs> she well, has I know. To get the, she has to, it's a race against time. She has to get the antidote. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I haven't seen this in a while. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. An eightfold deceit. That's poison. Oh. Here she gets her. Mm-hmm. Marion Cotillard in a Dark Knight Rises death scene where she explains right? everything. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know how she died in that movie, by the way. They they drove the truck off a thing, and then she just died. Peacefully in her sleep. She just got, well, she's just kind of sitting there. for. Like, Trinity gets one of those two in Matrix Revolutions where she gets, you know, gutted by a giant pole... So at least you understand why she's dying, but she still talks for like 10 minutes before she dies. Well, she has to. Yeah, she has to explain that he's the one and has to go back in and do his thing. That's another commentary. We did that one. Mm -hmm. We've done two out of three Matrix commentaries. (laughs) We've done the bread. Yeah, we haven't done the, uh, the filling. My favorite one. There's another one we haven't done. There's a couple that we haven't done yet. As far as like completing a series. We oh. Haven't done, we haven't done Die Hard 2. <laughs> right. We uh, haven't done. Um, we haven't done um, the Evil Dead remake. Okay. Yeah. One, Wouldn't two, have three. Of that, but okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. We haven't done uh, Rogue One. The Force we Awakens. Haven't done, we, we haven't done any. Dis, we haven't done Disney Star Wars. We've done yeah. all the others. Um, have we done Batman and Robin? We still have not. We done haven't done Batman, Batman and Robin. That's the one. Yeah, we haven't done Batman yeah. and Robin. Mm-hmm. And Crouching Tiger. Uh, sort of. Sort of Destiny. Of right. so, yes. Naturally. Yep. And Escape from L.A. 
Oh, escape. Under- well, if we do escape, then we have to do space jail, right? We'll do lockdown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so oh, we got two like lockdown. Lockdown's great. Yeah. That okay. motorcycle chase that looks like it has $4 and a Mac computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> CC's got to get the antidote now. And all these guys I, are like, also, guys, I like, get out of here. I like how Chayun Fat says something like, uh, all right, fine, go. I'll hold, you know, I'll hold, a, I'll hold, I'll keep it together as long as I can. You know, like that it's like he's got that kind of strength that is classically like classically And of course, this is the finally the time where he's like, I guess we can talk about how we feel about each other now that I'm, <laughs> now that I'm in the throes of death here. It's about time. And I mean, we're we're joshing a bit, but I mean, this does mean stuff. Like, it, it's really mm-hmm. it's really powerful to get to this point where you feel bad for him because. He was on this path to being like, I guess I'm retired now, and I've come back to town, and I just want to talk with uh, Yushu about like how I feel. <laughs> and but all this Jade Fox nonsense gets in my way, and I can't do that. Yeah. And now I, and now I, I eliminated her, but she poisoned me, and I'm not even gonna be able to live my retirement right. I can't get with the way I want to be. And I guess that, I mean, we talk about the accents. I mean, there's a lot of what they're not saying. These reaction shots that Lee's cutting to where you're watching these characters look at each other in ways that you understand what's happening very well. And the music. And this bat cave that they're in, like, that's fun. (laughs) It's a fun little lair that they have where it's... Where, where Jade Fox is hanging out, where it's like this cave and it's got like this kind of misty waterfall that goes down the middle of it. Charlie, in fact, doesn't go very far after this either, right? As far as like his American. Oh, murder. no. Yeah. Oh, they, it, like, replacement Killers was like the big thing, right? And then uh, The Corrupter, of course, with Mark Wahlberg, we can't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, Corruptor and, was after this, right? It was, no, no, it was before. It was because '99 he had that and uh, Anna and the King, where they're like, oh, well, we made the King yeah. and I again, but did it badly. Uh, like, that, was, that was their that was their plot for that one. Like, yeah, we can Anna and the King. I like I like what you're saying. Let's get Andy Tennant involved. You know, of uh, Fools Rush In and yep. Ever After Fame. That's how and it's done. Just, just see what you know. He seems like he can you know handle some Chinese stuff, like or Thailand. Sorry, Thailand. Tom Thai stuff. Well, but to no, the yeah. person who hired him, it's all the same, right? <laughs> I mean, Julia Roberts could have been Harriet Tubman, right? I mean, that's how it works. Um, yeah. But yeah, after this, after <laughs> stories about these ideas people had for movies, um, but yeah, then we get the Bulletproof Monk, and the, and then Pirates, right? That's it. Yeah, his, Pirates, yeah. Uh, and just that, Pirates 3. Pirates 3, where he plays Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> yep, that's, yep. That's his yep. character. He's the job of the hut in that movie. Because they have to mm-hmm. what, rest. They have to go to like 
And he dresses Kira Knightley like his people, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was, so he is Jabba the Hutt. That's his role. He's in it a little longer than Jabba because he gets on a ship at one point. Like, she takes his ship. Like, she's mm-hmm. the And yeah. he makes her the captain now. Yep. That's a weird movie, but I like it. It is. I would love to talk about the Pirates movies, but they're all 14 hours long, so it's hard to, like, max that into a <laughs> podcast. But I'm a huge fan of the Gore Verbinski set of Pirates movies. With the second one, obviously. Again, somehow I always seem to like the second one the most of these controversial sequel trilogies, but um, I like Dead Man's Chest the most easily. Wait, do you like do you like Reloaded more than Matrix? Yes, I, I make that very clear as often as I can. I'm oh, a huge that's right. That's, no, you're right, right, yeah. Reloaded, Scream 2, Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> They're all the best. But yeah, that's it, right? With him, he's in that Dragon Ball movie, Dragon Ball Evolution, because which we all remember. We were all like, oh, that's the, <laughs> that was the best, that was the best possible live action version you could do of a Dragon Ball Z movie. Casting Justin Chatwin as Goku made perfect sense. No confusion there. I'm glad uh, someone agrees with me. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that, is that you on the message boards? <laughs> I was talking about how it's so great. Oh yeah, it's all. Like that's is that's it. Like he has no other American movies. Like, I'm trying to find some. It's, it's none. This looks like a Star Wars shot right here. Yeah. Like from the you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like from the prequels. I I could have sworn there was like more Chow Yun Fat movies. I'm complete. He's has like he's three movies. Like that's it. Outside, you know, not Chinese. Well, right, of he's, course. He's I been guess. very prolific. I mean, no, no, but I mean, I could have sworn there was like some other like junky movie that he was in that was, you know, made in America. There's nothing. Good for him. You know, got out. I'm like, whatever. I don't want to be with Sean William Scott and Bulletproof Monk. I want to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I say it that way. I like Sean William Scott, but that movie's just bad. So. Who is the Anna and Anna and the King? Jodie Foster. Ah. I want to say she turned down Hannibal to do that, but that's not true. But still. <laughs> there she is. Yeah, we're at this epic end here. Well, now I'm thinking of your uh, prequel. How it looks like a prequel. I keep thinking we're going to see R2 or something show up. <laughs> I mean, this is like clearly like Nabooish stuff. Like. It's... <laughs> The costumes. The, the difference yeah. is low love sand. He's like, give me all that sand. <laughs> yep. I, I lived for the Gobi Desert. I go for Gobi. You're going to jump off that? Well, if it works. Seeing this the first time where she j- takes this jump, I, I was like, well, this movie just completely won. <laughs> like, I, was, I was so like enraptured in like, the action elements as like a teenager thinking cool, I'm going to see a kung fu movie like this. And, like, getting more and more into the story, and you get to the ending, mm-hmm. it's like, wow. This, like, it, it's not just, like, cool. It's just powerful, like, how it's accomplishing this. And I just love the way it holds on this shot right here. Because you, if you've, if you've come this far, and you've watched this movie, and you've observed this story, by the end of this, the movie's done such a great job of setting this moment up where you're like, I get it and I appreciate it, and I feel bad, as well as, like, weirdly enlightened about it. Yeah, totally. Wrong, director of Not production, unit production manager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not the artistic director. 
first credit, Kevin Spacey as John <laughs> I gotta say, yeah, I mean, it pretty much, yeah, holds up, and there was, because it's been a few years since I've seen this, there was definitely stuff I forgot, I completely forgot about the poisonous dart at the end, I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah, he dies. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would, I can kind of see why you guys are saying this is Ang Lee's best film, I mean, I don't know, I, re- I mean, but, but I mean, but like most filmmakers who make a lot of really great movies, I'm sure right now if I was watching Brokeback, I might be like, that's his best film. Well, I mean, that's what happens if they... Or Gemini Man, yeah, agree. Or Gemini Man, right, exactly. Yeah. Or if I ever yeah. finished uh, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Um, when, when you see him he's walk still walking. Walk. He's still right. walking. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair to that movie, the walk is the best part of that film. <laughs> like that's, that is the, <laughs> it, really, it really is, though. It, it is the best part of that movie. <laughs> and the Vin Diesel death scene, that's good, too. Spoilers, Vin Diesel dies in that movie. But you if you if you start that movie, you're like, he's gonna die in this movie. Like you know it. Like it's not it's not that big spoiler. <laughs> this movie was nominated for ten Oscars, as I mentioned. It won four. Uh, foreign language film, obviously. Art direction, makes a lot of sense. Um, original score, which is that's impressive to me, uh, because there's let me find the other nominees, but like you would think like Gladiator's gonna like run the gamut and Hans Zimmer's gonna win. Hans Zimmer still has one Oscar, and it's for The Lion King, which is always fun uh, to recap. Um, but yeah, you had Chocola, Melina, uh, The Patriot with a John Williams score. Melina um, uh, was Ennio Morricone, and Chocola with a Rachel Portman, a rare female nominee for this category. Um, but yeah, this movie won it, which I mean, it earns easily because it's so good. <laughs> like the, the, yeah, that's, uh, as that I mentioned, amazing. oh yeah, the score is fantastic. Um, and it also wins. What's the other one? I just had it up. Uh, Wait, does that mean Yo Yo Ma gets it, or no? Because he's just the accompaniment to the. He's the company. No, it, yeah, it went yeah, to. Yeah. It, no, it goes. It goes to um to Tandoon. Cinematography. Songwriter. Cinematography, of course. Cinematography. Oh, cinematography. Great. Yeah. Um, Which, uh, another 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 heavy category. You have that Gladiator, Melina, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and The Patriot. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of strong entries. Wait, it won cinematography over. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, I, no, it wasn't going to be Deacons because he has to start his run of not winning. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, like, I love, I love the cinematography here. But I will say, as I recall, the use of color in Traffic is pretty like specific. Yeah. And, traffic and, not being nominated is wild to me. Like, wait, that's it, a, it didn't even get nominated. It for, wasn't nominated. Yeah. Hmm. Oh wow. That's crazy. Like, it, it won. It won editing, which is well deserved. Okay. Um, although this movie is, you know, the editing here. Is, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Um, the crazy is that Wonder Boys is up for editing, which is like, I mean, cool. Uh, I love that movie, but it's like that. That's the one of the editing nominees. <laughs> 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 like, that's, that's not the aspect of that. It's like, wow, they really cut back and forth between Tobey Maguire and Michael Douglas really amazingly. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does feel like 149 minutes. Great job in tightening that up there of the editing. <laughs> Huh. Wait, did is was Soderbergh the DP? Because he's a lot of time he is the DP for his own movie. Traffic. Um. Because doesn't hmm. he do? D, or is that only his? No, he does. He does. No, he does. Um, was he on Traffic? Yeah, he was because it's Peter Andrews, which is him. So yeah, yeah, he's he's the cinematographer on most of his movies. You're not wrong. 
Yo, yo, ma! <laughs> so, so Ang Lee doesn't win Best Director, Soderbergh wins, but then Ang Lee goes to win two twice. Yeah. <laughs> Did we Soderberg. mention that uh, with the Best Picture or Best Foreign Film, it was with uh, Amos Peros, which is a pretty popular. Oh, Amos Peros, yeah, that was. Yeah. Well, well, oh. <laughs> I mean. Too bad that director never went on to do anything ever. Yeah, it was just one shot. It was just one shot. Yeah, he did not go the eight miles for that one. Wait, has he also won twice? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Read to back to back. Yeah. Um, Birdman and the Revenant, back to back Oscars for best director. Wait, so he's wait. Indian readers won twice. Corone once or twice. Cor- twice. Corone once twice. Yeah, he he began and ended. He began and ended the decades basically. Guillermo's the slacker. He's only got one. The fact that like Inaritu and Corone won, and they're and you know they're like we're the three amigos, and we're like yeah, but is Guillermo gonna really win one? And then he fucking does do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh, <my> God. <laughs> It's, a, it's ridiculous that like how that happened. Like it's Lucas like, hasn't won. Like you guys Scorsese and Coppola and, yeah. and Spielberg are all on stage talking about like at the Departed, where 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 it's like, oh, it's great to win an Oscar. It's like and Lucas there's like, guys, I never won one, and it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And then <laughs> Scorsese gets up there and wins one. <laughs> Meanwhile, these guys, these Mexican directors, get on stage like, guys, guess what? We're taking it back, and they do, and they win all the Oscars. <laughs> And along with Chivo, along with uh, Lubeski, who wins three Oscars in a row for cinematography. Oh, that's true, right? Yeah, he had the he had the crazy run with Gravity, Birdman, and Revenant, where it's like, yeah, sorry, Deacons, you're not going anywhere this year. Wait, has Hoyt ever won? Uh, not yet. I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I'm assuming <laughs> it's a matter of time. Oh, did he? Is he tenant? Yes. Uh, yeah, because it's not, it's not Deegan, so yeah, he's he's on ten. Is he on ten? Yeah, I think so, right? Oh, well, because Wally Pfister is another big. Wally Pfister, he mm-hmm. won for Inception. Ah, uh, okay. He has his Oscar, and then he made that amazing movie, Trans... Trans... Fear... What is it? Transcendence. Not, Transcendence. Commentary. Next it's Transcendence. It's, uh... Transcendence. No, you got it. Yeah. 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 I, did, I don't know if I had enough quotations around that. That movie's god-awful. That movie's terrible. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible movie. <laughs> Bad. Um, all right <laughs> we've done enough of this any other revelations i can bring up about the oscars from this year uh yeah no no acting oscars no sound nominations which is a little surprising let me see where this what sound gladiator there's only gladiator won one of them here i'll get okay here we go so best sound went to gladiator and you had castaway patriot perfect storm and u571 sure makes sense there's only two nominees for best sound editing U571's one of them. What do you think the other one is? I'll give you a hint. It's a director we've mentioned already. Not just now, but recently. He's a veteran. Like an old director. Hmm. It has an all-star cast of old people. Gosford Park? Or nope. No, that was a perfect. <laughs> oh, because well, yeah, that would be... Yeah, I don't that's, know. That's, a, that's a year later, though. That's, that's a year later. All-star was... cast of old people. And that was a perfect just picture. Um... Yeah. This is its only nominate. I have to assume. I can't believe they can't think there's anything else here. It's its only nomination. Um. Uh, let me see. Any other hints I can give you? Uh, let's see. It's not based of anything. Um. Cast of old people. Yeah. The director is also the star. Wait. The director is also the star. Cast of old people. Four old people. Space Cowboys? Space Cowboys is the Oh, answer. yes! <laughs> ah, yeah. It's a space ride with the Cowboys. Yippee-yay-yo, yippee yay 
as the other nominee for best sound editing. Yeah, Crouching Tiger could have got in there. That's a little surprising. Anyway, um, that's it. We've done it. We talked about <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mm-hmm. and I think we talked about a lot of things. I hope everyone enjoyed our conversation that varied between the movie and rambling other things about Hannibal and what have you. Um, yeah, let's see. What's next month? So next month was going to be no time. Was it no time to die? No time. No time, no time we're, to die. We're gonna live commentary from the theater. Yeah. No, time to die. no it, we were gonna do a bot. I, that said, I still think we should do it. I still think we should do World is Not Enough. That was our plan right, for the commentary. We're gonna do Pierce Brosnan World or not, World's Not Enough because I don't want to wait till November because November. Spoilers for November. I wanted to do King Kong the original. There you go. Because we've done Godzilla, and so we could do King Kong before Godzilla vs. Kong comes out. Um, So I I don't want to wait all the way to November to do the Bond movie. That still means I have to watch the other Pierce Brosnan Bond movies again, because I like doing it for one thing, but also I wanted to prepare that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so next month we will do The World's Not Enough still, because why not? And I don't think we need to do Trolls 1 or another X-Men movie. (laughs) So um, uh, yeah, but with all that in mind, uh, where can people find more of your guys' work online? Peter, where can people find more of you? Oh, you know, currently I, I've been writing uh, for whysoblue.com. Uh, um, I mostly do theatrical, but I sometimes uh, – I have an upcoming Richard Jewell uh, Blu-ray review coming up. Um, Ooh, speaking uh, of Space Cowboys. Wait, wait, what? Speaking of Space Cowboys. Oh, that's true. And, and uh, I'm winners. on uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter and Instagram as Pajamo. Brandon Peters, where can people find more of you? I'm on Twitter at BT Peters, and uh, you can find my written stuff at Call Cinema Cavalcade. Or no, you can find that written stuff at Why So Blue. You can hear the audio <laughs> stuff at Call Cinema Cavalcade. We will be wrapping up our Godzilla Showa era series very soon. We had a lot of episodes in a short amount of time. It's crazy, but we have the the Mecha Godzillas of uh, the show that cap off the Showa era um, with two very fun guests. Um, so those will be next week. This week we have Friday the 13th with James Oster. I'll be curious which uh, Mechagodzilla you liked more. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. All my writing goes to Wheel of Entertainment and WhySoBlue.com. All my stuff in general ends up at my personal blog, TheCodeZeke.com. Uh, you can find our podcast everywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know all of our things, and it'll all be linked in the show notes or what have you. Uh, thank you, Brandon and Peter, for joining me for this Trouching Tiger commentary track. Oh, thank yeah. you, Aaron and Peter. <laughs> uh, this has been a lot of fun. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And until next time, so long and goodbye. Mm-hmm.